Welcome back, boys and girls. This is episode seven of the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. You're awesome. I really appreciate you. My guest for this episode is the Jordan Heffler. Um, If you know who I am, you probably know who Jordan Heffler is because she's way more famous than me. She has very close to 10,000 followers on Instagram. So if you're not following her, please go help her out. Jordan is a photographer by trade, but does about a bajillion other things and does all of them really well. If you if you are familiar with her, you know that she's very on brand in everything that she does. And from life experience, she has a lot of things to talk about from photography and art to, all the way to business and negotiating licensing contracts. She's also an expert on the Kardashians and conspiracy theories. So that was a fun thing to talk about. Thanks again, Jordan, for hanging out with me. And I hope you all enjoy this episode with Jordan Heffler. So speaking of scandalous... Food, anything. (laughs) Speaking of semi-scandalous somewhat, I guess, uh, what's your fascination with the Kardashians? Okay, Tell me about this makes this makes a, a tiny tiny bit of sense, but I no they repulse me in, in you, some way. So you know Chase Mullen? Uh, yeah, I love Chase Mullen. Well, I met him through Thomas and Same. then bought a couple of his art, talked to him a few times. I don't know. If, I mean, I think he would only remember me because my name is Chase. But <laughs> yes, I love his work. I just remember. I don't remember in what context I was talking to him about something, but he was like, "You're an enigma. Like you like the Kardashians, but you." photograph like metal shows but, you know, I'm like <laughs> yeah. I don't know I like it all it's but no the Kardashians to me first off I don't care who you are they're beautiful I will agree with that second of all I am like so fascinated with like I like how you said fascinated too because I don't like to say obsessed with but I kind of am but it's more of a fascination of the inner workings of like marketing and just the power to stay relevant from doing nothing at all right. in the first place. And now they do so much. But at the beginning, it was just a relevancy for no reason. Mm-hmm. But they perpetuated that to an extent that, like, I don't think anyone else has done. No person or family, much less. And, I mean, Chris Jenner is a genius. Whatever she did or the producers behind the scenes. Ryan Seacrest is one of the producers of the show. Okay. Um, whoever had this idea to give them a show, I think they did something with it that most other reality people don't. I don't watch a ton of reality reality TV at all, honestly. I don't watch The Housewives. I don't watch any of the Bravo mm-hmm. things, whatever. Um, but something about them being relevant for over 10 years on a TV show of, like, doing nothing, and then it is so meta because it's like they got really famous, but then the show got more interesting because they were so famous, so mm-hmm. then it turns into, like, you want to watch it because they're so rich and famous, but, like, they got rich and famous from the show. Right. So right. it's, like, this vicious cycle. And I think I'm just fascinated with that, like, the power of how, like, Kim Kardashian really truly in, was, like, the first influencer mm-hmm. of, of this generation of, like, learning how to use social media on her own to become her own PR person and the fact that they've all kind of had that media training to be able to harness their own power and, and like she's literally getting people out of jail now and like right, talking know, to the president insane. like right. she literally could be president that is not like that far out of reach right. which is so crazy to say because 10 or years ago could be president <laughs> yeah well 10 well okay <laughs> i may have photographed kanye but i believe in kim's a power power to, okay um, kim's got the power kim's got the power got okay kanye is another world of i don't even know but <laughs> i don't know i'm just really fascinated that was a really long answer but it's a lot of I think they're beautiful and they have cool opinions and they're funny and they're interesting for me to watch, but mostly it's the inner workings of like, how did they get to this point? Right. And like, is it possible for anyone to do this? Or was it because 
of just like a bunch of like the butterfly effect, a bunch of things that yeah. happened at once that made this possible. Right, right place, right time. Exactly. Right name, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I definitely I totally agree with all of that. Just I, I don't keep up with them. I don't keep up with the Kardashians, haha, in, in any way, really. But yeah, they just making so much money and having so much celebrity status from not really doing anything substantive, substantive, whatever that word is. Yeah. At least until At least now they're selling first, a ton of products. Now yeah. they've become amazing businesswomen. Like right. they're actual moguls and it's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Kylie, the billionaire. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, cool. So that was a, I, I, I had to ask you that. I want to make sure I squeeze that in because you, you just dressed up as Chris. Jenner, oh my gosh. Right? I had Merry Christmas with my friends and it's a wild night. Oh, Christmas KR. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, got it. Yeah, I. Uh, that was a really uh, too much fun <laughs> night. But yeah, I think it's just they're they're like also the kind of family you can make fun of all you want, but at some level you have to respect them. But like they will also make fun of themselves, mm-hmm. and so I think that's why they're also so successful too, is because. Like Kim published a whole book of like naked pictures of herself. Like you can't get in trouble or be taken down for anything because like you've already owned it all yourself yeah, if that true. makes sense and so it's yep. interesting to me it's like there's nothing that can be done to them because they're just so like they right. own it like yeah. what now so yeah uh, so speaking of the brand since they're brand masters mm-hmm. uh, do what you want brand is yeah. your thing and I was gonna ask you I, w- I want to ask you um, two things where'd you come up with it okay and then like what do you is this like a pervasive thing in like every second of your day or, or is this something that you're striving to live towards, I guess. Those are good questions. So in 2016, I was working full-time at Manship Theater, like the end of 2015 to like the end of 2016. I was doing graphic design, which I still do graphic design there, but not full-time. Um, I was working there full-time, busting my butt, pretty much doing photography on the side. Like if I had to be at work nine to five, I was doing editing before nine. I was like shooting headshots on my lunch break and then getting off and going nice. to senior portraits, like taking all my vacation days for paid work. Nice. All my weekends were like, I was going to New Orleans and shooting concerts. It was crazy. It was a very, very busy year. I was, what's that saying? Like burning the oil or burning the candle at both ends. No, but burning oh, the candle yeah. at both ends, yeah. whatever. Because I wasn't really making enough money from the full-time job because it was nonprofit, but I wasn't making enough of photography because I only had limited hours of the day to do it right. on the side. Right. So I was just doing double the amount of work for like nothing and just completely running myself ragged. And I found out um, around the summer of 2016, my right arm was completely numb. It just like, I, if you know when you hit your funny bone, yeah. that feel, it was that in my whole right arm, like all the time. Wow. And so started getting some CAT scans done and everything, and they found out I had a slipped disc in my neck, and it was pushing on a nerve, and it was giving me nerve damage or nerve pain in my right arm. Wow. And I was like out of vacation days and sick days, working full time to go to physical therapy and get all these things done. Because I mean, props to everyone who works full time because I don't remember how I did it because you can't because <laughs> right. when you have so many issues like that. So I was always trying to figure out how to fix that and then found out I needed surgery. Well, I had decided to quit and do photography full-time, and I'm using air quotes because they ended up asking me, like, no, don't leave. Like, can you just work one day a week and then we'll figure it out? And that was, like, three years ago, four years ago, whatever. Cool. So I've been working, like, one day a week since then. But yeah. anyways, so after all that, um, I tried to, like, quit. I went to a creative conference because I was, like, really down. It was, like, September. My surgery was scheduled for November. I had just stopped working full-time. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, now that I'm going to do this thing, what am I? Go- like, I've been doing a lot of photography on the side, but is it enough to make, like, a salary? Mm-hmm. So I went to a creative conference 
called Venture Pop. It's no longer a thing, but it was in New Orleans. And I was like, this will be a great like inspirational thing because I just started like my own business, even though I had been doing it, but it was going to be like a full-time thing. Um, and they had a guy come, and it was this dear world dude he goes around to different events and does like black and white portraits of you you write something on yourself in sharpie and he does these black and white okay, portraits I think it's very empowering yeah. he's done up with like steve gleason and like all these people right okay um he, they were at the conference and it was like okay what's your battle cry or like your mission for your business like write it on you and i remember being like i don't know because like at the time i was very torn between like do i photograph weddings that's what every other photographer mm-hmm, does mm-hmm. i want to really photograph music but i don't know how to get into it uh, i also still want to like photograph like portraits of babies and like whatever I want like fashion and um, I didn't know what my mission statement was and I blurted out I don't know I just do what I want and my friend at the time nice. at least my friend my friend was there at the time yeah. and he was like that should be your battle cry just write like do what you want and I have the problem with apologizing I think it's just ingrained in, a, in us as women but also just like as creatives we never feel like we're good enough or we're stepping on people's toes mm-hmm. for doing what we want mm-hmm. and so my words were one arm said do what you want the other arm said don't apologize and they took my picture and I was like hey it's kind of cool and then it turned into this thing where I was like I'll make little stickers that say do what you want on them hand them out like instead of business cards and then from there it kind of grew because everyone liked the groovy font and they were like make t-shirts and it turned into like well this is like a mindset thing so to answer your second question I'm long winded I'm sorry no please that is why we were here (laughs) okay good (laughs) Um, to answer your second question do what you want was something I said, but it's not something I always believe. Like, I mm-hmm. do so much stuff that I don't want all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's kind of a reminder for me and other people, other creatives specifically, that you don't have to photograph weddings if you don't want to. You mm-hmm. don't have to do the thing that everyone else in your field is doing. And so that kind of became the tagline. And so I, like I said, have so many days where I don't do what I want. Like, I'm still doing work I don't want. I'm still having clients that I don't feel like I'm a good fit with. I'm still doing things I don't want to do. But it's kind of like a reminder that, like, every day I want to push towards being able to 100% do what I want. And I don't mean, like, I always have to say, like, I don't mean do what you want, like, you know, lay on the couch all day or, like, go rob a bank. I mean, like, creatively, like, do what you want. If Mm -hmm. I want to photograph metal shows and babies in the same day, like, you can do it. There's no one saying you can't. And if there's no one else doing it, that might be a good thing. You can be the one to do it. So that's where all that came from. (laughs) So so that's uh, interesting. You said, like, or in passing, you said that's what all the other photographers do, like weddings and stuff. Yeah. And it seems like pretty much everyone I see on the web or whatever that does photography does weddings. Uh, But I've heard you say in a lot of your podcast episodes that you hate doing weddings. I do. So what was it like? How did you push through that? I have to make money. Weddings are an easy money grab versus... I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it and and go and try and break into the other scenes. I still struggle with that. There are days when I'm like, I should just go shoot a wedding. I'd be set for the month. Yeah. But I just can't. Like, I used to work for a wedding photographer in college. I was an intern for a couple of years. And then after, when I graduated from LSU, I spent the whole year after graduating working for her in her office, doing all her editing. I would second shoot weddings with her. I was kind of just along for the process of a lot of weddings, mm-hmm. a lot of really big weddings. Um and then it occurred to me, like, wait, I'm getting paid, like, an hourly rate to do a lot of this work. Like, and she's making a couple thousand. Maybe I should try to do this on my own, too. Well, no one tells you. You can't just, like, take $4,000 and shoot someone's wedding if you have no photos to show them, hey, I do this. So right. you get the really shitty weddings. You get the really cheap people. You get, like, yeah. the bad aesthetic. Like, you get the low end of stuff because you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, 
weddings are booked like a year in advance. So <laughs> you book something, then you get really good all year, and then it comes time to do it, and you're like, this is like a thousand dollars for yeah. like eight hours. Yeah. This is stupid. Like, and so I really just didn't enjoy it. I did a couple on my own. I had some creepy, weird things happen to me that like I'm not super spiritual or religious, but I was like, is this like someone telling me I should stop doing this? Because please tell like what like what happened. <laughs> Um, one wedding I was photographing, I was at the altar, like turned looking down the aisle and the bride and groom or the bride and the dad were coming down the aisle and my lens just stopped working for no reason. I luckily was wearing another camera, so I, you know, picked it up, but I was trying, I was like panicking, (laughs) full panic mode (laughs) because the the bride's like looking at me, they're smiling and I'm just like, (laughs) oh my God, it's just stopped working. And then it worked immediately afterwards. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and then another wedding, my flash, same thing, stopped working like two minutes before the ceremony, mysteriously started working right after it ended. Dang. And I'm just like, I don't have time to have this. It's like the no amount of money is worth the pressure that that, it, like I felt like I died, went to heaven, like was watching some, myself over <laughs> like the clouds, like struggling. Yeah. It was just like so much anxiety and pressure. And then you still have to go home and edit all that. So when you shoot for like eight hours, that's a lot of photos to go through. Like mm-hmm. it, honestly, people are like, wedding photography is so expensive. Like, they make so much money. They do, but it's really, in my opinion, not worth the amount of time that you put into it. Really? Honestly, I'd rather take like five or six portrait gigs, mm-hmm. one hour a piece, whatever, and like make the same amount of money over like a week. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just really don't like it. Also, I've never been. I've never been like that sappy girl who like loves weddings. Like I can't even you visualize like punk my rock. own. Well, or metal. And I've been to weddings, and I've been in them, and I've just. I very strongly dislike going I to weddings. Yet to have fun at a wedding. I'm sorry, anyone listening, and I went to your <laughs> wedding. Like I prom- I didn't have fun. Um, I'm actually going to a wedding on Sunday. No, Saturday. Hopefully, it'll be fun. A lot of my friends will be there, but not to shoot. I've just not to, party. to shoot. Heck no. Just a party. But just even thinking about it, I'm like, my feet are going to hurt in the heels. Like, I'm wearing a strapless romper. It's going to be annoying all night. Like, it's going to rain. Like, I'm already, like, not interested. So, um, yeah, sorry, anyone listening. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so I just feel like if people out there that really want to shoot weddings exist, like, I would so much rather give them the business because that's Mm -hmm. how I feel about so many other things. I would rather someone else, you know, referred me for that concert they didn't want to shoot or whatever. Yeah. So I've built a big list of referred referral people. So if you ask me, can I shoot your wedding? I'm like, nope, but here are 25 people, people I know. Like, yeah, that's check cool. them out. So, that's good, helping others out with it. Yeah, I have long answers. I'm really sorry. That's great. It I'm never the one that talks as much. I usually interview the people. Right. Well, that's what, <laughs> that's what I count on is people talking a lot. I was actually, I interviewed a friend of mine a couple episodes ago who's a chef and, um, after we, we talked for like two and a half hours and after my dad listened to it he like texted me or whatever he's like wow Gavin's the easiest interview interviewer ever because <laughs> he probably talked like 94% of the time or something that's always good but it was excellent the least the less I talk the better that these these things are okay well just um, let me know if I'm talking too fast or too much because nah, that happens sometimes all good all the time love it I did you said that you take a, uh, like a crap load of pictures at weddings yeah um, how many pictures just take like you went to Voodoo Fest uh, recently, mm-hmm. so like a day of Voodoo Fest, how many pictures did you take? So I've been asked this before, and I don't know why I can never remember the number. Um, I mean, like I pretty much average. It depends on the assignment too. So, like if it's a concert and I only can shoot three songs, like you know, you only get five hundred photos, and then you edit it down to maybe twenty good ones, and you only use like four of them. Right. Okay. But. Wow. Like, or like a portrait session. If it's like senior portraits, LSU's campus, I could do it my eyes closed. Like it's a formula, like mm-hmm. we'll be done like clockwork. I'll probably have like 500 final photos. I'll go through them. You'll probably get like 50 final 
final ones I edit. Um, but something like South by Southwest or Voodoo Fest or something where you're just like out there all freaking day. I mean, it's it's like 10,000 photos a day. That's, like That blows my mind. At least. <laughs> and so, but you have to go through them. And so people just, right. uh, that's my biggest like gripe, I think, as a freelance photographer. Everyone's like, it's expensive. Or why I can't afford your budget or mm-hmm. your um, your rate. And I'm like, you don't understand what I'm doing for you in person. I'm doing the same amount of time on the back end at home. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that much for me to come click a button or something. Right, like right. I have to do all this and go through it and process the photos and then edit them all and then export them all and upload them all and copyright them all and email them to you and you know edit out whatever. Loads of time. Yeah. So it's it's not just being there in person. So um, some of those things like South by Southwest is a big thing I do where it's like. 11 days or something and it's like 10 hour days Dang. and I go to like 20 events in a day it's ridiculous and that's like I think by the end of I mean I, I wrote down the number I don't remember but I want to say it was like 30,000 photos or something Golly. that I had to like go through to like edit how to, long did that take for like a whole week after I got home a basically. whole another week to just go through photos yeah that's go through nuts. them and edit them and, and organize them and you have to do the SEO and like name them and do the metadata and put them in the right folders and send them off so it's a whole thing so a lot of the time I'm out in the world, but the other half of it, I'm just like on the computer. Mm. So uh, I was going to ask you about um, your actual process. I'm mm-hmm. super fascinated because I was listening to the episode with when that you interviewed on your podcast, mm-hmm. the football photographer. <gasps> Kyle Zedeker. That was like probably He's one of my favorites. so talented. I fangirled so hard that I was able to interview him. I don't know if you realize how obsessed I was. I've never even met him in person. I'm just like obsessed with him. Um, yeah, his, his photos are pretty nuts. Oh, They're yeah. really good. They're really good. Uh, but in the, So in that episode, he said that in like one game, he takes like 3,500 pictures or something. Yeah. And so when he said Easily. that, I was like, God, that is like so many photos. Well, in sports too, concerts are like that too, but sports especially, and the type of equipment they use, like if you're working professionally for sports, you have like camera gear on another level. It's like the cameras, the shutter speeds are so much faster, like mm-hmm. everything. So you're taking more frames per second. So it's not even that, like, it's that much so different. He, it's like he could equipment. do, like, 10 in, in a second or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what he uses, but the the real sports photographers, like, I say real because I don't consider myself <laughs> one, um, they're they're shooting because it's such fast action. Right. And everything, they're, so they're, every play, they've got, like, you know, 50 shots. <laughs> like, right. Uh, okay, so when you, I definitely talk about sports because okay. exciting uh, development in recent days, which we'll get to. Very exciting development. And it was like perfect timing that you came yeah, to do the podcast you're gonna, right now. Because you're going to release this on Monday, right? Right, and Monday morning. The day of the thing. Exactly. Yeah. The day of the thing that we will at some point talk about in the, the next day couple of minutes. The thing. Uh, okay, so you get back from like a day, or let's say you get back from your week at South by Southwest, you have yeah. 30,000 photos. Yeah. Um, how do you like organize your actual work through it, workflow? Do you keep them like organized by day or by event and then? What what's yeah. like? How do you narrow them down? That's something that if I think about it too hard, I stress myself out because it's kind of different every time. So for South by Southwest, that is probably the beastliest thing I do, which mm-hmm. is like, so what I do for South by Southwest is I work for the client events team. So that's sponsors for South by Southwest. South by Southwest. I've only done it the past two years, so okay. I, I may or may not be doing it again this year. Um, but in years past, it's been the big sponsors for. South by Southwest. So that's like Anheuser-Busch mm-hmm. and AccuView and Mercedes and I don't know, like Twitter and all these companies. So you're like shooting so, for all of them too, like all of their products and Yeah, their events. And, so at South by Southwest, it's like all about branded activation. So they're like okay. these crazy off the chain events where like they like literally will rent a building downtown in Austin and like repaint it and like make wow. it branded, put like, you know, wraps, what's it called? Um, 
At the vinyl building wraps, wraps yeah, around like the whole building. Wow. Like re- they'll remodel everything. They get like everything flown in and it's new furniture and everything's decorated. It's like multi million dollar like renovations for like a week. Dang. Um, for a party, essentially. So photographing those things in one way is easy because it's beautiful. You show up and it's like great. Mm-hmm. In other ways, it's hard because you're doing so much of it and it's a lot of the same thing over and over again. So it's like get a picture of like someone holding the branded cup. Okay, two people smiling and like cheers. Okay, now like get like the wide shot of the whole thing. Make sure the logo's in there. Okay, mm-hmm. now make sure you get like every little branded piece of paper that's around. And okay, now let's get something, someone using the product or interacting. So it's a lot of the same thing. Are they are they like brands. giving you those notes? Like they say we yeah. want all these things? And yeah, to- and so there'll be like a massive shot list, like huge spreadsheet. There's five of us and we try to split it up and hit everything the best we can so that no sponsor didn't have photos, but right. so that every sponsor has at least two of us covering it. Because we all have different creative eyes too, so True. we might go shoot the same event and have completely different photos. Um, or go at different times and there might be different people, more diversity in the crowd or less diversity or just like a different DJ on stage or whatever. Yeah. So it's just a massive... Undertaking. Yes. That and I, like I really event. can't stress it enough because people like try to ask it looks so fun I'm like it's really fun but it's a lot of freaking work and it's very long days because some of these parties don't end till 2am but then right. they start again the next day at 9 and you have different assignments everywhere So and you walk everywhere and it's just crazy um, so to answer your original question <laughs> all those photos I shoot in raw so raw files are Yes, please explain the details of this. I'm okay. very curious. I'm not I just got good a, at tech. I just got an, like an, so. a real camera. So I, I told you I work at Elephant and uh-huh. I do the marketing. So I've Are been, you the one making the TikToks? Yeah. Big fan. Nice. Appreciate that. We're going to talk about TikTok today. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I know you've been like, cr- I, I, looked, yes, I think yesterday I looked, you had done like four videos in an afternoon. <laughs> like in a day. I was like, I need to do more TikToks. <laughs> but like they're all stupid. I get like two likes. I'm like, amazing. Moving they're on. good. They're all Thanks. legit. I love them. Uh, no, what was I saying? Oh, uh, so oh, I just files, got a yeah. right. So the past year, I've done all of our, all of our social stuff, all of our listing photos, mm-hmm. like professional. I've done it with my drone and then with my iPhone. Okay, and then edit. You have a Lightroom. drone that's already fancy pants. Like I don't is, know how to do any of that. It makes it super easy. Never I done any of that. I should have brought it. We never played it, with one. Flown it around in here. Uh, but I, we did just get like a real yeah. uh, e- EOS M50 camera. It's a Canon. Yeah. Okay. See, so yeah, I shoot Nikon, so I don't know things, but right. So. So I'm, I, I guess like I don't really know a ton about it, but I want to at least try to. Okay, all right. Well, let's just cut the episode now. Okay. No, really, uh, honestly, I'm like not super knowledgeable about gear, and I think people are always that blows to my hear mind. That. That, that blows my mind because like all. So okay, answer this question quickly. You have let's say like the Kanye photo that you shared as one of your top. Mm-hmm. That photo. What percentage was your effort in that photo? Um, the on taking the photo versus editing after to make oh. it look incredible. A thousand percent taking the photo. That was one of the hardest things I had to do because the crowd was so crazy. I had borrowed a camera from someone because I had set mine off for repair the day before and then found out I was doing that the day of and was like freaking out. Um, I was using a super long lens, but I was holding it above my head. So like my arms were so sore. I was so packed in the crowd. I couldn't put my arms back down. Wow. So I was just like zooming in and hoping for the best. Like, And so actually editing it wasn't that much. Okay. Um, what about the average photo? But then? the average photo, it kind of depends. If it's a portrait, not that much editing. I have presets I've developed for okay. certain lighting situations. Slap so them you on. do know a ton because I have like that. You lost me on all of this lighting presets and like, oh, setting okay. up for all that. <laughs> okay, so maybe I know something. Yes. I forget that I know a lot compared to the average Joe, but I know a fraction compared to the average photographer. <laughs> okay, makes sense, I guess. <laughs> uh, I promise I'm still professional. You should hire me. Um, but yeah, so when you're editing. 
if it's a concert photo, I'm doing a lot of work to that because so many times, like, you are not in control of the lighting and it's flashing different colors, different times. The people are moving so fast on stage. Like, you might have someone else's hand in the way of your photo or a crowd surfer kicking your head or another (laughs) photographer, you know, cutting in front of you, whatever. So there's usually more editing in those. If it's a band that has really great lighting, it's like an arena show, like, it's easy peasy because usually any band that is getting videoed will have good light because for video, you have to have, like, so much light. Right. If it's just like, at, you know, if you remember Chelsea's like in the corner with like a, you know, drop light and Terrible. a kid with like a, an acoustic guitar, like I'm throwing all those bitches in black and white because it looks so bad. Like yeah. there's not much you can do to edit. So concert stuff, I edit way more. Football stuff eh, kind of depends. More so color correction because the stadium lights like look kind of funky. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we always look blue. Like the LSU purple looks blue in photos. Really? So I have I to can't... like physically go take the blue Change and make it, it look purple. Wow. Um I don't know if other people do that, and it's probably unethical. I'm not an actual journalist, so <laughs> I do what I want. But, yeah, overall, it's usually more work shooting. But if it's like a portrait, it's kind of easier because I can tell you, stand like that. Oh, you blink, I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Other situations, you can't, you don't get a do-over. It's like that was the right, moment. Right, right. You have it or you don't. So um, That's the thing I'm thinking, uh, uh, or I was wanting to see what you thought about because, like, with the iPhone, I, it's like, one percent taking the photo just like framing it and Mm -hmm. and push and go and then i and then i depend on editing it after to make it look as as good as possible definitely and they don't look amazing but they they, i mean they look better than all the other real estate firms so that's good yeah but um especially with iphone because iphone you can't like what you see in the world is not how the iphone's going to capture it right right and so you have to edit things to look the way it looked to you when you took it right or like way better yeah. Like blow out the colors and stuff. Okay. So speaking of this, um, chromatic, uh, I know you have like, everything is fantastical colors and fantastical. That's yes. A fun word. And your Instagram feed is like awesome. Um, Thanks. so how did you, how did you, uh, create your, what is it like palette? I guess. How'd you create yeah, your palette? Uh, Do you just love orange? I mean, you're wearing orange sweater right now. <laughs> and I showed up in, awesome. my, in my orange car. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely become very intentional as time has gone on starting out. Like, uh, this is always weird for me to talk about because I love color, but I also I wear a lot of black. I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of like rock music. It's not like a pop bubblegum like you know yeah. thing all the time. But I realized in college, someone had told me because I did a lot of experimental photography in college. I studied photography at LSU, and so depending on I didn't know anything about brand or brand or style. I was just like I'm doing this for this assignment and this for this assignment, mm-hmm. and everything looked kind of different. At least in my opinion, I would just do whatever I wanted. Um, I didn't even think about having something look cohesive. Um, and someone in a critique in college once told me, like, oh, you always have such good use of color. And I remember being like, I do? <laughs> okay, cool. And then I started looking at things and being like, oh, I use, like, I'm drawn to the same types of colors. Like, this Juicifer can in front of us is, like, pink and orange and yellow and purple. And, like, those are the colors I use in my photos, yeah. honestly. And that's why I'm so drawn to this design of this can. Um, so once I kind of started realizing I did, you know, cohesive color palettes already Mm -hmm. subconsciously I kind of just intentionally started trying to keep that consistent and it can be hard because there are times where I really as you know my brand is do what you want I really want to do something different like I want to do something crazy or completely different and I still do it but I might not share to my Instagram or it might just be like a different yeah I was curious how you I was curious how you kind of develop and uh, experiment while maintaining your brand um that is a great question and it's hard 
I cover my butt a lot with that because my brand is do what you want, okay. <laughs> which is kind of, of part of it. Because I'm course. just like, if anyone wants to come at me and ask me, I'll be like, I don't know. It's just doing what I want like, <laughs> and then change the subject. But no, because I love to shoot black and white, edit in black, edit in black and white. I don't post much black and white because it doesn't perform well like from like an analytics side, but mm-hmm. I still feel like as a photographer I should put my best work out there. And if I think my best work that day is not bright orange, like I'll put it out there. Um, and it kind of just developed over time when I became more aware of, A, the content I was shooting. So I would be drawn to like an orange thing, take mm-hmm. a picture of it. Or B, a thing that wasn't quite on brand for me. Maybe I edited it like in a quote-unquote normal way for the client, but I still might edit it further to have the tones to look yeah, good on to my use feet. For yourself. So, okay. yeah. um, and then sometimes people, clients want that. They want me to do something crazy retro, whatever, but it's very you know, few and far between. And so many of my commercial clients actually come back to me and say, like, wait, can you re-edit this to be less orange? Like, sometimes I'm subconsciously just, like, mm-hmm. doing all this stuff to colors, and it doesn't always work for the client. But going back to the do what you want being like a mindset and like a goal I want it to eventually be like you only hire me because you want me to edit this way right. not you know not me kind of doing both is that like when that's when you have peak brand I guess is whenever I guess yeah, yeah. and sometimes like it's a really great fit um, with, a, with another brand because I love to do commercial work and do branding photos for other brands but if it's not in alignment with my brand then sometimes there's a disconnect with what they what yeah. the client wanted and what I delivered right. so. so how often do you say no nowadays <sighs> Not often because I'm kind of broke right now, to be honest. <laughs> um, so you have a, so you're doing a wedding next weekend? <laughs> no, but I was okay. So I stand my ground with weddings as of now. Like I said, if I'm eating dirt, like it's bad, yeah. and, or if it's like someone really cool who's a really cool idea for a wedding that like I just feel like it would be beautiful photos, like amazing. I'm not saying I would never do it again. It's just I really don't want to. I don't want to photograph everyone's mason jar burlap, you know, right. not away plantation weddings. Like everyone else can do that. I don't need to. So um, I'm saying no to those types of things. Also, I don't really mess with maternity pics. Like mm-hmm. did a couple. Pregnant bellies kind of weird me out. <laughs> my wife is like her due date is Monday. Oh my gosh! What? Yeah, and, and you're uh, here, right? Oh my god! Thank go you, home. Tori. Thank you. <laughs> I actually she had a doctor's appointment this morning, and I was like, "Can I squeeze in a podcast tomorrow night?" And so she's the best. Um, oh my but gosh, thanks. we, but whenever we found out that we were pregnant, and even before that, I was like, "We're not doing maternity pictures, right?" And she was like, "Yeah, probably not." And then once we got pregnant, I, I said, "We're we're like not doing maternity pictures, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, we're not doing that." And I was like. Thank you. Because whenever I see, I mean, I love whenever people get pictures that they want, like good yeah, for them. Do what you want. Do what you want. I just don't love want. It. <laughs> right. I just don't want to do that because it's like, especially the ones I've seen a, a couple just on social media where I don't know. It's just like the weirdest stuff. They paint they, their belly. And yeah. Like, you know, the, like the, the husband's like, like kissing the belly naked, button and yeah, there's like face. It's, I don't I'm know. not into it. I'm not into so, it. So yeah, I, I, I steer clear. For, and also like, don't, I would, I would pay you to not. <laughs> right ask me yeah. to photograph you giving birth. Like I just have no desire. There are people who do that and specialize in it. Amazing, but absolutely not. Like I don't want to put your bloody C-section like in an artistic <laughs> form. Like it's just not for me. So yeah, right. I don't know. So I do say no to some things obviously. And also like if the budget's too low, like I'm at a point now where I'm a lot more confident in my numbers. Like in the beginning I'd be like, sure, it's like eight hours. I'll charge you like $10. I'll drive you there. <laughs> you don't have to give me any change. Like, um, so that's probably the biggest thing now is like people reach out and it just doesn't work with their budget or they just never respond mm-hmm. or like they want it like tomorrow and I'm like this is a lot of work for not a great payoff for me which sounds selfish but you know working in business it's supposed to be mutually beneficial of course yeah 
And people, I think, forget about that. And every time I think this is going to be like good for just the money side, it always ends up being like a failed, like annoying, stressful situation. So it has to be something that I really think I'll use the photos or that I'd be good at doing it for them. Like mm-hmm. I could help them, but they could also help me financially and has to be like a mutual thing. Otherwise, like that's when I get into these situations where there's miscommunication and expectations are not met by either side so do you have any like nightmare stories you want to tell me uh, <laughs> clients super mad and like wanting their money back and stuff I only have like one story like that they and they were still very pol- I don't want to say polite about Semi-polite. it but yeah but I had to stand my ground and be like I'm per our contract I did X Y and Z delivered mm-hmm. it to you within the time parameters and you asked for X Y Z and I went above and beyond and I stand by what I gave you like mm-hmm. I'm not doing it again and um, the end, and they just never responded. And so, and did you get paid? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, right but on. it was also one of the situations where I undercharged, thought it'd be something's really easy. I'll just squeeze it, whatever. And it ended up being something that took like four times the amount as long. Like I gave them extra photos just to cover my butt, mm-hmm. and it just ended up being a disaster. So, yeah. but I don't have a ton of those stories. Luckily, if people hated my photos, hopefully they just went home and just never said anything. Like people <laughs> have never like straight up told me besides like this last situation um but i've had like i told you some situations where people were like oh this looks great but like our brand is like this can you edit it to be a little more that and Mm -hmm. i have to try to not get offended by those situations because i have to remember like i'm a brand like if you gave me a photo and it wasn't orange or yellow whatever i would not want to post it so Mm -hmm. i get it so i try to be a little logical in the situations but it always comes down to like why are you hiring me like do you like what i do and how i make photos look because if you don't then this is already before we even get started, probably not going to work. Right. Um, so is so. your so what you're doing, uh, like your Instagram mm-hmm. and website and things like that, and the brand that you're kind of establish mm-hmm. have established and are operating in. Have you found that that is a has that been like a good tool to increase your prices and get more specific on who you work with? Yeah. So as a creative, I've learned that we all undercharge already. And we don't even know it. Like, I once heard someone say, like, if you quote a number, your stomach needs to flip. Nice. Or else it's not high enough. And it's still usually probably not high enough. Uh, because there's something about artists we just don't. Mm-hmm. Because we, we, I know for me, like, if it were up to me, I would just do everything for free for everyone all the time. But, like, that <laughs> doesn't work with a business model. Right. So, um, but then... You know, as you get settled into numbers, I find myself also having the other side of like the ego, where it's like, well, I don't do that for this. Like, so, and then I just kind of like go through periods where I hate photography because I'm just like, if it's not for money, I don't want to do it. And I forget what it's like to just like do something for fun or mm-hmm. not monetize it or just you know spend time doing something I like to do because I do like photography. But there's times when I get too, I guess, business minded where it kind of ruins it for me. So it's I more try like a to, chore. yeah, I try yeah. to stay somewhere in the middle because. Um, it is work, but it's still something I want to do. Otherwise, if I didn't want to do it, I would just go work at like Starbucks or something. You right. could like work for anyone else, not liking what you do. You know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think I heard you mention something along those lines in one of your episodes where you're doing this thing because you really enjoy it, and then once you decide that you want to do it to make money, you kind of lose some of that. Yeah. I'm doing it because f- I enjoy it. What, well, because one percent of my time is spent actually doing the stuff I love. The other ninety nine percent is all the bullshit that comes along with it. Like. Yeah. <laughs> quoting and sales tax and driving to <laughs> yeah. and from the place and like rearranging your schedule and you know having to deal with emailing and and the the exporting and the name and all the dumb stuff that goes with it. So if you 
don't like what you're doing, even the 1%, like, it's like, what's the point right. of doing all this on your own? Because, like, you really could go work for someone else, clock out at 5 o'clock, have benefits, and have to pay $300 a month for health care that doesn't cover anything, yeah. and be fine, you know? So it's, uh, so it's how, that 1% I have to hold on to. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, how, how have you kept it, like, yeah. you know, going I, on both both ends of it? It's funny you ask that, because, so I was saying, I, I work at Manship Theater mm-hmm. doing graphic design once a week. I didn't study graphic design in college. It, it's just kind of a job I fell into after I was working with the photographer. Um, and I enjoy it. I don't consider myself like a like amazing graphic designer. I just pretty much have experience doing stuff with Manship Theater, which is a lot of photo-based design work. So like, here's a photo of a performer. Here's a logo, date, time, tickets available here, export. Like, I work very fast there. I make like mm-hmm. 50 things a day. Like, it's Super just, structured. It's, yes, it's not. It's a lot of template-based work. I get to be creative. I have a lot of creative freedom, but it's not like I'm, I'm not like Thomas Wimberly, like designing yeah. things, like sketching, like being a super right. intellectual and metaphorical. It's not like that at all. So... But it's still creativity, and I really enjoy where creative, or creativity meets functionality, and I think that's exactly what graphic design is, and photography to an extent, like commercial photography. But mm-hmm. I, when I'm feeling like I hate running my business, it's usually in the times where I'm not getting booked a lot, and so it's like through the Carl's playing <laughs> something over there. On the it's okay. <laughs> when I'm not liking photography, it's always pretty much always tied to because I'm not making money right now. And so, cause it's hard to differentiate like your talent and your, you as a person from like money. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not getting booked, you're like, I suck. Everyone hates me, right. but they're just low seasons. So in those seasons, I love what I do at Manship Theater because I haven't stopped doing graphic design for them in the past couple of years, but like in the times where I don't have much going on, I pick back up there and do work that are more. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to still be creative, take your mind off things, do something completely different for a different brand. And um, that's kind of how I like to take a quote-unquote break because I can't take a break. I do photography for a living, but mm-hmm. there are definitely months where nothing happens. So I just try to I'll go paint or I you know get on TikTok, do something stupid. Yeah. So still be creative in other ways to kind of stay take a step back from photography and then remember why you liked it. Right. Otherwise, you just completely burn out. You did paint. I saw you painted the, well your dad's car. Yeah. The other day that was like incredible. Thanks. I don't think I've seen anything you painted before, and I was like, because I don't really do it. It was like you just do know. all the stuff, and you're like doing it all really well. So well, that's pretty. Thank cool. you. That's another problem I have though is I try to monetize everything so I can't just do stuff <laughs> I actually put a note in my little nifty notepad over here uh, about by the way feel free to take a break if I, I the, two things about this particular situation these chairs are terrible I told Carl these chairs are really oh, it's bad fine. I just keep like I'm like always adjusting, adjusting and stuff and then I always drink my uh, beverage before the guests because I'm making them talk a lot so feel free to oh no you're fine uh, take a break. I am a good multitasker I can drink beer and do pretty much anything nice so. love it Edit photos, paint cars, and all. I've done it all. So. Have you done a beer TikTok yet? I haven't. Might Tick- be, might be something. But what should I do? Um, I mean, that's what you have to come. You're the creative person, it's right? It's been a you while since I funneled something. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Put some good music behind it. It could go viral. I don't know. You Everyone had, on uh, there's like 12, so I don't want to be like you know bad influence. True. Bad influence for the children. Might get like rated for 18 mm, plus or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm very scandalous. Um, I whenever I was looking at your profile TikTok videos, you're you had a a video of your foot that got like what? 100,000 oh my! It's at two hundred thousand views, and That's I don't crazy. know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I was talking to someone else about this the other day because I downloaded TikTok last spring because I was like, everyone says this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was at South by Southwest, and to get a free fanny pack, I had to download TikTok in front of them. I have a oh, TikTok wow. fanny pack because I needed nice. something to hold my crap in. It was clear. I'm like, perfect, great, I'll take it. But they were because TikTok had an activation. Right. I was like, I don't know what you are, but I'll download your app. Give me the fanny pack. <laughs> so I had the app already on my phone. So. 
Um, I started started playing around on it, and I was like, I don't really understand what this is. All the girls are just like doing like yeah, very strict. But it's like the... not good. like I was a cheerleader. Like this is not dancing. Like <laughs> I'm about to start busting out my old cheer moves on here and get viral because these girls are not doing real dances. Mm-hmm. They're doing like little like macarena moves basically. Yeah. And the guys on there just like all have weird haircuts and like they roll their eyes and like <laughs> smoke their jewels. And then it's like the end of the video. I'm does, like, what's the point of this? Does it make you feel a little old? It does because I truly in my mind I'm still 17 and I very much still have like 17 year old habits like I watch Spongebob I nice. eat like canned chili like I don't really I'm not crazy so when I downloaded TikTok I was like this is dumb I don't care about this but then I started reading how in marketing it's gonna boom and as a content creator I was like I feel like even if I hate this I should be on it because I've resisted right. video for so long anyways as a photographer, I just want to take pictures, but that's, you know, people want to see video. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded it and I was like, let me just upload a video I already have on my camera roll. And so I had a video from like a year ago from an Instagram story of wow. a, a makeup sponge in my cowboy boot. That was it because I had like a spot that gave me a blister. Right. So I had worn it all night long with a sponge in there. And I got like a video of it, of me taking my foot off with the sponge coming out. It's like probably five seconds, not even. And, and it went nuts. Well, I was like, this is a year ago from Instagram stories. I don't think anyone cared about it at the time. I just had it in my camera roll. I was like, I'll upload this to TikTok. And I put, like, hashtag, like, pro tip. And it was like, you know, if you have a blister, like, put a sponge in your boot. Yeah. The end. That was it. And I don't understand. Like, it has 200,000 views. I keep getting likes every day on it. And I'm like, this is not even a fit. This has nothing to do with me or anything. It's like a pro It's tip. not even interesting. I don't understand. It's so bizarre. So, but that was also, like, one of the first videos I uploaded. So my perception was skewed. I'm like, great. Everybody's going to get 200K. Like, I'll right. get all these new, like, clients from this and, like, yeah. followers. It'll be great. And, no, everything since then is, like, peaked at, like, 20 likes. Yeah. <laughs> that algorithm is, like, because I've posted a couple, and one has gotten, like, 8,000, which is a lot, not yeah. 200,000. And then I did one on my own, and it got, like, 2,000. Uh, but then the next one got, like, 40. So I think yeah. it's just all about And, like, the, the ones that I think are actually good. And, like, yeah. I keep pimping out my dog on there because he's so cute. I'm like, okay, Ringo's going to get famous. He's going to make me. He's going to, like, be my cash cow. Like, we'll get him <laughs> on here. And he does pretty good. But the, so the painting video was the only other one that really did well. I think people, like, time-lapse and, yeah. and TikTok people like to see before and afters and process so I'm trying to figure out how I can make videos of like maybe me editing a photo or like that'd be cool doing something with my photography because I follow a couple of photographers on there that do some creative things on TikTok um, that really aren't that crazy like things that I've been doing on my Instagram stories forever but mm-hmm. just not in a TikTok form and with that audience so I'm like what can I do on here to tap into this market and obviously everyone that's going to follow me is going to be like 13 right. so they're not going to hire me but they might come you know follow my Five stuff listen to my podcast or they might buy some presets or who knows True. Like, yeah. so it's worth you know venturing into um, so going back to what I was going to ask you a second ago about all of that stuff is uh, you have all, you know all these things happening you've got products and presets and it's course and things like much. that so you and again I heard you mention this on one of your episodes about creating revenue streams yes um, so tell me a little bit about like what was the first I guess other product that you came up with and how have you developed through that um, with your brand so and how much money have you made from all of these other things not that much photography is <laughs> still my main hustle uh-huh. but so a great example is completely transparent I don't make a, I don't make six figures like I bust my ass I don't make that much and I still get a little bit from Manship Theater being there part time but there was a month in 2019 that I invoiced out does not mean I got back that money on that month but I right. invoiced out $13,000 worth of work nice there was another month that I only made $87 because I sold like two t-shirts and like a hat wow so that is like the complete 
like that's the swing that is <laughs> dang it's ridiculous so for me i'm always like on my toes like what can i do just in case like because with my neck and back problems like what happens if i can't shoot like what if something True. if i slip another disc and i can't shoot so i've just tried to be creative with little things here and there because maybe i don't make that much from selling a t-shirt but that 80 dollars that month was like something mm-hmm. you know so i mean I don't know what the first product was that I tried. I think probably T-shirts because everyone was like, oh, do what you want. That's cool. Put on a shirt. Put on a shirt. Sold like nothing. (laughs) Sold like five of them. You have to get minimums. You have to buy things up front. And I'm fronting it all myself. And so I'm just basically at this point trying to pay back what I've got. And so the merch thing is fun. I like to design things. It's fun for me, but it's definitely not like a moneymaker. If anything, Mm -hmm. it's just a great thing that's consistently $20 here and there I'm getting, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I would say too from like because we haven't met before but I've been following you for a while and just like on the outside looking at your brand quote unquote brand it having all those other things it's like dang she's doing like all this stuff she's got all it's these overwhelming. things it's overwhelming I feel like it's not a good thing like, <laughs> I think it's great I, I mean, feel like I need to everyone's always like you need to have a niche you need to niche down have like two products and be good at it I can't like I can't when you work for yourself the people who say that need to work for themselves like it's so scary because if I like if I only do like two things, like what happens if I can't do that one thing or right. if no one wants it anymore? Like I have to have something else going on. And maybe I have too many things going on. Probably so. But <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, but I do freelance graphic design. I don't really promote it because I don't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. I like to do magic theater graphic design. That's what I'm comfortable with. But I've done a couple logos. I work for some freelance stuff for a jewelry company in Austin right now. I'm making like their ads and stuff. Cool. So I do some stuff because worst comes to worst, I have that, you know? Mm-hmm. But also, worst comes to worst, I have, like, hats I can sell. Like, it's inventory that's not – it's not food. It's not going to go bad. It's not, like, going to go anywhere. So I have that. Photography is my main thing. That's how I make the most money. And it's the one thing I'm confident charging the most for because it's actually me, my time, my hands, my eyes doing Mm -hmm. this thing. Everything else is kind of just, like, passive. And I don't like to say passive because it still takes work. Yeah. But you know what I mean. It's, like, it's just stuff. It's not, like, pay for time directly. Right. And so that's why I really want to focus more on digital products because I made some workshops a couple years ago. It took a lot of time and effort. And honestly, I haven't watched them since I made them because it's, like, watching yourself, it's just so hard. I don't really listen to my podcasts. I just do stuff and put it out there and forget Mm -hmm. about it. But that has been great because it's, like, you do the work once and you can help more people with less time. It's always on your website. You can always promote it. Um, so that's something I want to do more of because for me that just seems like the mo- the smartest way mm-hmm. to work. Um, and there are complete idiots out there doing it and making like five times the amount that I right. am. <laughs> Trust me, because I bought their workshops and they weren't good. <laughs> Dang. So it's a th- the whole industry with the internet that's opened up. So yeah, I feel like it's hard to, like I told you, do something and not monetize it. But when you work for yourself, you kind of have to be creative in that way because something you do might just go out of style or people don't want it anymore or like I said I might get injured or whatever so trying to find things all the time that I can monetize that aren't like too desperate looking (laughs) (laughs) I think all this stuff looks great that's what one of the things I like about uh, following you is that the brand you know on everything's on brand and uh, and then you offer like a bunch of you know podcast and all of the tools and website your website has like a ton of info and like you put a ton of info and, and work into all of your podcast episodes and I just like post who's on my podcast, whatever. So, uh, I was, I was a little fat. Um, and I wanted to ask also like what, what's your daily time management? How would you rank your time management skills? It's been really bad lately, especially with the holidays. Um, because there's like a million things that seem. It seems like you're doing a million things. So I was going to see. And I am, and that's kind of the problem. There's no structure. So I have always been really good at doing things fast. 
they might not be perfect, but I don't mm-hmm. really care. Like, I, I'm not a perfectionist in that way. I'm very much like, let's just get it out. Are you, are you like see. that way because you know you don't have time or because you're just naturally... I, I'm impatient as okay. hell. Like, I don't know. So, my boyfriend is extremely thorough, detail-oriented, meticulous. Like, that's not centered enough. Like, let's double-check it eight times. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. I can be that way to an extent to the point where I'm comfortable putting my name on something. Mm-hmm. But I'm very much like, let's get it out. Let's just roll with it. Like, see what happens. Like, if it sucks, I'll just delete it. Like, whatever. So, I don't really have a structure for most things. But I feel like I'm really good at, like, <laughs> it's kind of, like, sporadic. I think bipolar a little bit. Like, one day, I'm like, I am the most productive. Pro- I did 400 things a day. Designed entire, like, this. Like, did five TikToks, like yeah. went to the mall, like got <laughs> food, like walked the dog, whatever, did everything. And then there's some days where I just didn't do a thing. And I'm really hard on myself. I've been trying to be better about that mm-hmm. um, because I have to remember like there was a day where I did like four times the amount of the work. So like, it's not like I'm doing nothing now. It's like I did too much that one day. So okay. I really so have to try. So you want more of a balance rather than a f- uh, ton yeah. of work every day. Yeah. Got it. Um, and there's certain months, like I told you, I'm, I'm like a farmer, like certain months, like it's just bad for photography. And like right. I said, it's really hard when you work for yourself and you do something that you love and it's you, you're putting you into it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to separate that from the money side. So like when I'm not making money, I'm like borderline depressed. I'm like, I don't want to do art. I don't want to do it. I'm not good. Like no one's paying me. Nothing's happening. So then it's like, it swings, you know? And mm-hmm. But then when I'm really busy, I'm like, wow, everyone loves me. It's great. Like, it's amazing. Like I'm amazing. Like do it. And then like when it ends, it's like back to like, man. So that's, Probably not the best answer or the most accurate answer, but really there's no structure. And that's something I don't I don't know how I do what I do. I really don't because it's so different every day. Sounds like you just want to get it done and you just do it. Yeah. That's what I think like. And then if I I'm, don't want to, I put it off. <laughs> right. Procrastinate. Uh, I'm a good procrastinator. Uh, and then also I think I struggle with uh, like my phone background is uh, stop. I've got stuff on it, but it's like don't overthink. Quit overthinking. Start doing. Uh, yeah. uh, because Nike, like, just do it. I feel like I struggle just getting the first, like some, there's been days where at the end of the day, I'm like, yes, I did so much. But then there's also days where I feel like I can't just do the very first thing I need to mm-hmm. do. And then I like, and I'm doing nothing for an hour or whatever, you know? Yeah. So like, it sounds like that's what you're doing. That's a great tip. Yeah. And just it's, to start the first thing. It, it really was bad of the holidays because I don't pretty much October. I'm like super busy every day. November pretty busy, and then Cyber Monday, Black Friday hits, and I'm like trying to be part of that, and then I don't, and then like after that, like no one cares about you because like Christmas cards are done, they're shopping for their family. Like I'm mm-hmm. a luxury service. Like at that point, no one needs it, mm. and it, they're not going to need it again probably till like March. So this is I'm in like my quote unquote low season. Um, it's also the same way in the summer. It's really hot where we live. Like as as far as personal photography goes, like commercial photography, that just depends on businesses. But even still, like at the end of the year, they're done with their budgets. Like right. they're just, it's not happening. It's right. the holidays. So I get like real like, man, like, I don't know. It's just no one wants to hire me. Like everything sucks. And I could use that time to do digital products, to mm-hmm. make more content, like to do blog posts, to podcasts, whatever. But because you're already so low, you don't want to do it. Yeah. So you just sit around and put it off, put it off, put it off. And then a month goes by and you're like, oh. So like just the other day, I updated the link in my bio and it had like a freaking Cyber Weekend code in it. And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't <laughs> checked this in a month. Like, Because I used to you know, be on it every yeah. day. I'd blog like every week. I'd have a podcast every week. But it's like once you get – it's like the the momentum. Once you're doing it, it's easy to keep doing it. It's right. hard to like get back into it. So I'm kind of finally trying to do that right um okay so since you're so tied to your product mm-hmm. as so directly um and i know i know i think i heard you, i've heard you mention it a few times that you like 
enjoyed doing videos and stuff when you were younger and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, how do you get to a place, or maybe it's natural, I don't know, but how do you put yourself out there all the time? It's exhausting. So um, I can't think. It's so weird. I think about it all the time, but I also have to like not think about it. So like I said, like I make my workshops. I don't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. I make a podcast. I don't want to listen to it. When I make like a YouTube video, which I don't do very often, I'd like to do more of. I might watch it a couple times after I post it, but then I just that's it. Like I won't watch it again for a long time. So when you put yourself out there all the time, it opens up the door of like your subconscious to be right. like, you should have done that or that was dumb or you look stupid or really like what were you thinking? Like why would anyone listen to you? Like you don't know what you're talking about. Like this is stupid. You should delete it. Yeah. So and it's already hard enough to get to the point to like put it out there. So. I just put myself out there all the time and just don't look back. And okay. there's probably, you know, I look like a meth addict sometimes in my Instagram <laughs> stories, like whatever, but you just kind of have to do it. And I hope it's been helpful for anyone because I get lots of responses from things I put out there mm-hmm. of people being like, oh, like, I'm glad you feel that way about that thing or I can relate. So the fact that people are responding to me makes me think that it's helpful, but it's still hard to do because I'm just like, I don't want to put myself out there all the time. Like, I just want you to like my work. Like, I don't want you like me, but yeah. But then everyone wants to be liked, so it's it's a hard thing, especially with social media. Right. Um, what uh, what have you have you felt like you've gotten better at it, like in the yeah. past couple of years, or? Yeah, definitely. Like I'm speaking at a thing tomorrow. Right. I do a lot more like public speaking stuff now. Um, it's still hard though, because I'm like I've given this presentation before already, like multiple times. But I'm already. Like, do I even know what I'm talking about? Are they even going to listen to me? Do they even mm-hmm. take me seriously? What should I wear? Like I don't know. Maybe I'm going to show up and no one cares. Like what if no one's there? Like I'm already going through all that and I've done this like multiple times. So it it gets easier, but it just never really fully goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, even just talking right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm rambling. Are they even going to like listen to what I'm saying? Like should I just <laughs> like stop it. and leave? Like so it, it's always that imposter syndrome that you're fighting with. But it does get easier. And like someone once asked me like, how do you just like? Because back in the day of like Snapchat, which I don't really use Snapchat anymore, but talking on your stories on Snapchat was like a weird thing at first. People were doing it and I was like, who do these people think they are? Right. Just talking to their phone, that's stupid. But someone wants to ask me like, how do you just talk on your Snapchat? And I was like, I just started one day and then people started responding to me and that made me realize, okay, even if one person listened and responded, that was validation that like this was a conversation. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I'll just keep doing it. And then you just get easier or it gets easier. You get better at it. And then the podcast, having a podcast, I'm sure as you mm-hmm. know, makes it really easy to talk to anybody. Now I can't even go to Walmart without asking the cashier like, what? what's your biggest like resolution for this year? Like I'm just like <laughs> asking people interview questions all the time because I I'm just in the talkative nature yeah. now. So nice. I'm still working on that. I'm still working on trying to. Uh, my mom it, like is one of those people that never meets a stranger, mm-hmm. and she, I mean, she'll like find out about somebody's background while she's in line at Walmart or yeah. something like that. And so, uh, and as I've gr- as I've gotten older and done, you know more in the business type, I like see the value in. Networking, you know, networking is a cliche word, but mm-hmm. actually talking with people and yeah. not, ju- and you know, trying to find out more about them and uh, and things like that. So I'm still working on trying to do that in real life. But yeah, networking is a real thing, and I don't know. Uh, you always hear like it's all about who you know, but it really is. Right. And I got so <laughs> I found your DM the other day. I don't check my DMs, right? <laughs> and people, I'm sure, probably think that I'm like some like raging like you know <laughs> asshole or something. But I just don't check them. It's just I didn't check them for a while and then it snowballed and then I got more and then yeah. now I can't like Too I just can't it's like four, four or five hundred I can't do it like and it's like little things but I was checking the other day because I was like I wonder how many are in here now like I can't do all this and there was one person that asked me like how did you get the connections you have and Interesting. I, I didn't even answer because I just want to be like I don't I don't know like mm-hmm. just talking to people but also like 
are you asking me like if I can give you my connection? It was just mm-hmm. a weird question. I was kind of like, I don't know. You just do your thing every day and be nice to everyone. And from it there, happens. things happen. It's yeah. I, there's no like science to it. There's no formula. It's not you can't just email people and be like, I want to know who you are. And that's my biggest pet peeve is people who just like want to ask like, can I pick your brain and go go get coffee? Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I don't even get coffee with my boyfriend. Like who? Like <laughs> it's so they should I try start to a be, podcast if they want to talk to you. Well and. <laughs> I try to be nice, and but it's like time is valuable and connections are valuable, and like there's no easy way you get them. It's just kind of like what happens throughout mm-hmm. time, but you're not going to get it unless you start putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can't give you all the knowledge I have because it took me all this time to get it right. and these connections. So, networking is so real, and you're not going to have it unless you go out and do it. Right. It's like my biggest like preaching thing. Cool. That's great. Um, also, have you got 10,000 followers yet? No. I just put the swipe up link. <laughs> right. I, I heard you talking about it. I literally don't. If you're listening, go follow Jordan on Instagram right <sighs> and now. And I'm so against bots. Like, I would never. But, like, part of me is like, can I just, like, you're pay for the so last? Like, right I just now, want yeah. the link thing. That's yeah. all I care about. Yeah. I don't know why they. Why is that? What would be great feature? is if they let you just, like, I mean, you even pay, like, 400 bucks just to have it. I would pay. I just want a link I've heard because multiple that people will say change. That. You would think starting businesses would be, would pay that in a right. heartbeat. Yeah, for sure. All I want to do is link to my own shit. They can make some yeah. more work. I mean, like instead of link and bio, and they have to go Squarespace and update my link and bio because I made my own link and bio page because I was right. tired of like changing it all the time. And because so you could be on brand. On brand, but also because like I tried the link tree thing once and link tree was down for like a whole weekend once, and right. I was like, so I'm not getting photography business because your website right is down. So no, I'm just gonna use my own website now. Thanks. So. I just want people to swipe up. If I want to be talking about this podcast right now in my story, I want you to be able to swipe up and listen to it. Right. I don't want you to link and find because no one does it. I feel like I'm losing out on sales for things. I could do affiliate links. Mm-hmm. I, people would just be so much more in the in the moment, ready and willing to swipe up to do whatever you're right. trying to link to. I wonder why they came up, how they came up with ten thousand. So What's do you know how so close you are? I'm like ninety one hundred. Like I'm in the nine thousands, but super you're so, close. You're so popular. So close. I'm not. <laughs> how many followers do you have? Carl? I think, I don't know, 1,000? I have 350, so. Uh, well. I followed you today. So I know, one more follower. There you go. Appreciate it. Holler. Yeah, th- I thought that was pretty hilarious. I messaged her on Instagram first uh, and asked, I was like, hey, you're going to be on the podcast, whatever. And then I went back and looked at your profile again and saw in her profile, it's like, don't DM me. I don't, I don't check <laughs> I have DMs. to put it in there because so I think I people her. think I'm like fancy and don't answer. I just right. can't do it. Too many. It's totally overwhelming. Understand. I, I and totally I don't mean understand. that like from a pretentious like everyone wants to DM, but it's like anyone who responds to a story with an emoji, anything, right. they're all in there. And I'm like, I can't do this. And some of them are really deep questions. That I don't want to type my phone. I want to go sit on the computer and like email me and yeah. I'll answer your question. But if it's just like, oh, what kind of gear do you have? I have a website thing for that. Oh, what is it? I have a podcast for that. Like if you <laughs> follow me, like do your research. I have answered probably all your questions and all the content I've put out there over the years. Um, and if it's not that, then just email me, you know? Right on. Uh, speaking of content, how did you come up with the bathroom photos stuff? Oh, man. So I was in Memphis in 2015 working with the photographer I was working for. Mm-hmm. And she had a book of – so this is Jen Oaken. I never say her name because I never know if she wants me to – because mm-hmm. I, t- I talk so much crap about weddings. I don't want to make her <laughs> brand sound like it's bad because it's not. She's a great wedding photographer. Um, but So she had published a book about um, – blues photography and so I went with her to Beale Street to release the book cool. during a blues thing that's awesome um, a blues festival an international blues festival and so we were on Beale Street a lot and just all the bathrooms in Beale Street of all like the it's kind of like Bourbon Street in a way mm-hmm. but like a little less shady I guess um, but all the bars are like real quirky and colorful and just kind of seedy and so all the bathrooms were just like 
bizarre. Like, I don't know, there'd be like bright green walls with like graffiti all over the mirror. Like, nice. Just weird stuff. So I just kind of started taking pictures of it. And at that time, I wasn't really taking my Instagram super seriously. I was kind of just like posting stuff that mm-hmm. it was still photography oriented because I'm a photographer, but it wasn't like business, you know? Um, so I was just posting pictures. And I remember being like, oh, there's another picture of like me in a bathroom, like so stupid. But then it became really weird that I started like going into bathrooms and matching what, like whatever I was wearing would always match like whatever bathroom I was Dang. in. It's kind of weird. So I started documenting it because I was like, this is a cool like color story, like a color right. theory. Um, and at some point I just made a hashtag for it so I could like keep them all together. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just grew from there. So I made a book in 2016, I think maybe. And I really need to make volume two, but I'm still trying to figure out a better way to self-publish that doesn't cost so much for the consumer and pays me more because right now my book's like $40 and I only make $5 off of it. Wow. And that's way too expensive for the consumer. How I don't want it to do, be that high. How, what did you do that through? Self-publishing with Blurb. It's a website oh, that okay. in college I took a bookmaking class and so I published a couple books in college through this class and the quality of the website's great. Like Blurb books are great. You should still make them. Anyone can make them. I made one for my mom for Christmas about mm-hmm. our France photos from our trip we took. Great quality. It's very easy. You can do it and it's on demand. So if you want to print one, you print one. That's good. But, but they take all I'm, your money. If I'm trying to sell a bunch of them or sell them at all, it's like forty dollars to print and you can you can mark you can um dictate your markup for how much you want to make. Mm-hmm. Well, I would obviously want to make more than five dollars, but I can't stomach selling you a book for like fifty dollars. For me to make $10 off of it, it's just stupid. So right now, it's on Amazon. It's cool because the website, you can like integrate everything to Amazon, and they sell it. And people have ordered it and bought it, but I just I feel so bad it's so expensive. There's not anything I can do. Right. So I've held off on making volume two because I want to figure out a better way to do that. So I don't know if I need to get like an actual publisher. and Because if you buy them in bulk, it's cheaper, but then I have like a 1,000 books right. lying around. You know? you sell, yeah. So I don't know, because I'd love to make more books. Like I made this book about France for my mom, and I would love to like make that like a public thing, because it's like all these travel photos. Yeah. But I don't know the best way for both consumer and publisher to do <laughs> Don't ask that, me. I have no so. idea. I do not know. Uh, so you went to, you went to speaking of traveling, you went to Paris or France. Was it Paris? Yes. Was it other places too France, France? Yeah. My mom's mom is French. Oh, nice. Okay. She currently has dementia. She lives in Louisiana. Like, she doesn't know what's going on. But her brother still lives in France, and his wife was sick with cancer. And so my mom has, because it's my mom's mom's family, so they Uh would go, like, every summer. I've been once when I was a baby and once, like, six or seven years ago. Um, My mom was like, hey, your great aunt isn't doing well. Like, we need to go visit her before something happens. Well, so my mom and my aunt and I went, and it was very last minute. It was, Mm -hmm. like, the week before they asked if I wanted to go with them. And I was like... This was the month I only made $87 or whatever. <laughs> Dang. Um, so I was like, this is not the best time for me, but it's also like the best time for me because yeah. at the same time I have no, no work going on, yeah. but I have no money. So it was rough. Um, it was very last minute. I went with them and my great aunt actually passed away the day that we got to France. So we never wow. got to see her, but then we had to rearrange our schedule, go to the funeral. And so they live in the countryside in the middle of nowhere, like no air conditioning, the whole wow. nine yards, um, like the chickens in the backyard, like lay the eggs the whole thing so we went and stayed with family for a couple days and we drove my mom rented a car and we drove up to Paris and did some stuff so it was a good trip it was 14 days but people are like oh your vacation looks so good and I'm like there's a (laughs) difference between a vacation and a trip this was a trip Yeah, we did a lot of fun stuff but it was very involved it was a very involved trip I was going to ask you uh, I was going to ask you about it and then uh, uh, and like any other traveling you've done or whatever but I wasn't expecting the it was a a serious trip that you went on. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, on Instagram, of course, I'm posting, like, look at the Eiffel Tower. Look at right. me with my, like, cool shoes. Like, But it was very much like a 
a family get to that. I went to a French funeral. The whole mass was in French. Like, I can understand some. I don't speak very much. Mm-hmm. Um, no one in the countryside speaks English. So it's just like I was very much a part of these family situations. And it was, it was cool to go. No, I don't want to say cool to go to. It was a right, funeral. Right. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a cool experience to be a part of. But yeah. it definitely wasn't like, you know, staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Like, For sure, Eating yeah. bonbons, like lounging by the pool. It was 109 degrees, no air conditioning. It was the hottest summer they've ever had. Dang. No one has AC in France because like, they don't need it. Um, so everyone was like freaking out. So we were touring chateaus and like it's literally like 110 degrees inside. Wow. And no one wears deodorant there. Wow. So that was rough. So it, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like harp on it. It was like a bad trip because it yeah. wasn't. It was just, yeah, yeah. it was very <laughs> overwhelming. So, lots happening. Right. So, uh, so what's your opinion on that subject then, by the way, uh, since you're very involved in social media and you put yourself out there mm-hmm. all the time, uh, what's your opinion on social media, you versus real life, you and how that like, does it affect you at all? Do you, uh-huh. uh, do you, you know, do you get caught up in looking at other people's like social oh, media yeah. lives and I, well, you follow the Kardashians, so I, you know, I, I guess you have to get wrapped up in that somewhat. I do, but, <laughs> but I also watch the Kardashians, and if Kim's crying, she ain't looking so cute. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, like, yeah. they still show themselves. Yeah. Um, but I would say my Instagram feed is my social media me, and my Instagram stories is me. Okay. Um, I mean, I share a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, there's obviously stuff I don't share, but I'm not – I don't think I'm – what's it called intentionally trying to be someone else on the internet at all I'm trying to be like I always think about like I edit my photos so they look their best I put on makeup so I look my best like my social media is just like the quote unquote best branded representation of my life but it's still my life like Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm faking things I know people people who their social media is completely different than their life and I don't want it to be like that at all like it's very much just like a curated lens of what I do got it um I also wanted to ask you about your awesome news that you just found out about. Awesome news. Yes, that's happening Monday. I'm Any so scared. I'm so scared. Is there something special happening Monday? I'm scared to photograph the championship because I'm not, the imposter syndrome, I'm not very good at sports photography. I want to get better, that's but not true. I was not prepared to do a national championship this soon. That's so. unbelievable. So how did you get it? I was chilling in my car. Nice. And They reached out. Um, yeah. I don't, do you know Mark Clements? He works for 225. He's great. He does like their digital content stuff, but he's a sports guy and he does a lot of the sports writing for Two Five. And um, he texted me and was like, "Are you free to shoot the championship?" And I was That's like, crazy. "What?" <laughs> <laughs> this is like last week. I was like, "Yeah," because I really tr- didn't even cross my mind that was a thing. Because yeah. I only shoot for Two Two Five, like one or two games a season. Because mm-hmm. it's not like the Advocate; they don't need the photos tomorrow. It's not about like that play. It's very much like get some nice photos. We'll use them next year for the season to hype up the season. Yeah, kind of like abstract like LSU things. So I still shoot the game but it's more about like magazine stuff is different than newspaper stuff you know right um it's not urgent like they don't need the photos that day it's very much like just get nice photos so i only shoot a couple of games and so it's hard for me to feel like i'm getting better because i don't shoot every game right so it's much practice and there's really yeah. nothing you can practice on i have to rent this giant <clears throat> lens i don't rent that for fun like it costs like 200 dollars to rent Dang. so you have it for like that night and what are you going to practice? There's no one else running around as fat, like the same situation with the band and the, the field and the way it is. And you can only kneel here and whatever. So there's nothing else you can do to really emulate that unless you go shoot like a high school game or something, I guess. But so I feel like as soon as I feel like I'm getting good, like the game ends and then I wait like a year and do it again. <laughs> yeah. So I have already shot my games this season. Like I've been milking my photos on social media, been like, hey, yeah, they're happy. awesome. Go Tigers. Thanks. But I'm like at, you know, Fred's or something, like just posting the picture because right. I've already done my work. Like I'm not at every game. Someone wants to ask me like, oh, so you travel with the team? You shoot every game? I was like, no. <laughs> 
I only shoot a couple and half the time I don't know what's going on. I'm just shooting the best I can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just chilling. I had no idea this was even an option. I didn't even at all think that I'd be going. I was like, I'll probably go to Zippy's, like watch it and get some margaritas, like bring my dog. I don't know. And he texted me and was like, are you free? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, I'm applying for you. They need your driver's license number. I was like, okay. And then the next day he sent me a screenshot like with confirmation. And Dang. I was like, Okay, cool. So now what? So I had to like quickly rent a lens. Um, it came in yesterday. What kind of and lens? I'm using a 120 to 300 Is it like millimeter. One of those, it's like three feet long. It's long, yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's um, it's still not as big as the ones that like. Um, I don't know if you know Chris Parent. He's like the main LSU name. photographer. He's mm-hmm. amazing. He's like the god of sports photography. Um, he and a lot of the other guys, Gus Stark, and a lot of these people, they use like really big, like 400 millimeter lenses. Where like the Apertures like as big as my head, um, and they're massive. This is a little it's a step below that because okay. those lenses cost so much, and even just to rent one for the week, like I'm, I essentially don't get paid at this point. Like I just because I would rather have good photos, so I use like what I get paid to like rent this lens. Oh, okay, interesting. So it's very much like because I don't want to go out there and get crappy photos, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of a waste of time to be on the field if you don't have a lens that big because you can't see anything. Like So they need to pay you more is what you're saying. <laughs> Two to five pay Well, more. all photographers want more money all the time. Of course. But no, it's they've been great and like um all that. So what? Oh, I was gonna call oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like you're like tipping away you're like well, getting a no, taxi I was, over here. I was for curious, so you so when you go and shoot the na- national championship game for two two five or Every is every picture that you shoot property of two two five. My contract. How does that? How does that work? Just I it's mean, not. Can you tell? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the contract. I don't actually know. I'm not good no with legal one stuff. No listens to this podcast. But, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. It's not property of. Like, I retain the copyrights, but they have exclusivity to use Whichever whatever they, they like want. out of them. And however many times, because they also it's like business report and register two two five. It's all the same company. Mm-hmm. So like if in register wants to pull a photo I shot for two two five, they can. Um, and they just you they can keep using it. I just get paid the one time, but they're still my copyright. So I feel like there's there's an exclusivity clause in there. Something about like if they used it in their magazine, I can't use it in another magazine or sell it to anyone else without like getting permission. But they're still my copyright, which is great because a lot of times you get swindled into signing things like where they. It's like work for hire where you sign away your rights and that's never fun. Yeah, well, I was just curious. I don't know how the business works. I was just curious if like if they pulled the ones they wanted and there was another one that they didn't really want, somebody else did, could they could they buy it? Or Um, not another I publication, know, I, I don't believe. Unless I think I've like written permission. Got you. Um but also there's a lot of weird rules with the football stuff that I don't I'm not super clear on. The uh-huh. players stuff. I can't right. give any players photos. They right. always message me like, "You got that photo?" I can't talk to them. I can't give them a photo. That's it's considered crazy. giving a gift. Right. Um, I don't know about once I graduate. I think it's fine. Like I went to high school with a guy who was on the team, and he was always like, "Hey, like give me the photos." Like he would see me. I'm like, you know, I can't give you the photos. So after <laughs> the day after he graduated, he messaged me. He was like, "Give me those photos." So I sent him a couple. Um, but and a bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that point, I'm like, I don't even, and they're not even yeah. great like yeah. photos at this point, but. I don't know all the rules with the NCAA stuff, so I don't. I tread lightly with all that. I was just—I figured it was a—it was very like messy. Or, it kind of is. Be. Well, it is, and I work for myself, so yeah. I do the best I can to understand these things, and I just try to stay on the safe end of things because mm-hmm. um, I'm the little man, and all of the situations that could arise mm-hmm. um, with the university or NCAA or two five whoever. So I typically just like make sure they let me post if i can at least post and put my portfolio that's half of what i want anyways like at that point um because that's 
like an investment in yourself almost like maybe I'm not getting paid that much to do it but like if I get a super cool photo that might get me the next job that might for sure you know especially LSU this year yeah so as long as I have like the rights to my photos and I can like use them to promote my own work then that's usually what I care about the most Uh, I did have written down licensing Mm -hmm. is that so can you explain like is that licensing or is there or is there some have you sold photos and then like you just get a check in the mail later mm-hmm. on and stuff like that? Yeah, so that's also kind of the Wild West. I okay. don't know if it's the Wild West cuz I'm just dumb or if it's the Wild West cuz that's just how it is. This either way it's not what they teach you in art school. Like I'm learning it every not. day as I go because right. I don't really know and there's not a whole lot of commercial photographers in Baton Rouge that do the same scope of work I do. Like I feel like I'm kind of in this weird in between where I'm not like old and established and like doing real estate and in architecture and whatever, but I'm also not like shooting weddings. I'm kind of in the middle where I'm doing commercial work, but I'm also like doing mm-hmm. publication editorial. So I don't really know who to ask about these things. And if you Google anything, the numbers yeah. you would see, like the the badgers market must just be really cheap, I guess, because some of the stuff that it says I should be charging yeah. would never fly here because right. it's like two grand for like one photo. And it's like, okay, that's usually everyone's like full budget, you know? So licensing the best way I can explain it is that like if you wrote a song like Disney asked you to write a song you write the song they pay you to write that song but they don't always necessarily maybe Disney because they're huge but if you go with this for an example they don't own the song you still wrote the song mm-hmm. so or like so if you want to go buy this song on iTunes for 99 cents that's not your song you bought the song for 99 cents like you can't just go play it in your TV commercial for your company because right. you bought it for 99 cents you have to like contact the artist and get you know licensing for using it for that way because it's you know it's not right, the same right. so I kind of think about it that way with photos it's like maybe you paid me to take these photos but like you didn't pay me to use them to make money off of them Got you it. paid me for my time to do it yep. to edit it to give you the photos but you didn't pay me to use them for a billboard or for your magazine or whatever so for like commercial work you do so you have you set that up in the contract beforehand yes and it's different with every person like i wish it could just be like this is my price it yeah. never goes that way but like if i work with the company depending on what they want to use them for if you just want to put them on facebook that's going to be way cheaper than if you want to make an album cover with them and make t-shirts sell 500 t-shirts and like right. whatever they think about the beatles abbey road image like mm-hmm. you never know what might be like an iconic image or like the nike logo mm-hmm. like you never know you might get paid $50 to do it but like you don't know 30 years from now if it's like the most famous thing in the world you right. should have been paid more I think I heard the chick, the guy that made the Chick-fil-A logo did it for like $200 or something that's not, yeah I think that's how the Nike logo it was something really was cheap the and then logo? I yeah. think finally they were able to negotiate for him to get money that, nice. I could be making that up but it's those situations where you have to think about it now like it might not be a big deal now but you don't know the band you shot or right. Joe Burrow or whoever which I can't license his photos but you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. that he might be the next whatever so um, licensing is tricky because people are very turned off by it. Like companies are like, wait, so I have to pay you to do it and then I have to pay again. Right, right, and then right. I have to renew the light. It's like, but it's just how it works. So and do you so, get, so do they send you terms? Do you send them terms? Do you have a lawyer? Like how do you come up with all the So far, I've always just sent my own terms and negotiated from there. And like I said, creatives, we always undercharge anyway. So I just go under the guise of like, I'm doing this, but there's a good chance I'm probably already getting paid too little, but at least it's something. So I just work with it and we go from there. Um, maybe that's not the best way to, to think about it but yeah. um but like for instance i did a blog post about south by southwest mm-hmm. um from like two years ago and i put it on my website just photos of random stuff and this magazine in texas it's, it's like a paid magazine contacted me like two months ago and was like can we pay to use this photo in our magazine sweet but they would have never seen it had i not put it in a blog post right. two years ago so stuff like that happens and 
typically that's like the etiquette. It's like you're supposed to ask to use a photo. People don't know that. Of course. Um, or they'll just like use better. it and then credit you. Yeah. Um, and I don't really have the balls to like tear someone down for doing that. Like there's been tons of things that I've, I've been walked all over. They've used it, whatever. Yeah. But if someone wants to ask me that, yes, like I'm going to license this to you because that's how this is supposed to work. And I'm trying to be like industry standard with everything I do. Um, but a lot of companies don't realize it's a thing. So I just try to think of it too. Like if you're like a event rental company, like so it costs X amount of dollars to make the tent, but you still have to have someone pay you per day to use. It's like the same kind of concept. Gotcha. It's like, so people think that like you, I paid you to do this stuff and now it's mine. I'm like, no, I still made it. Like it's mm-hmm. mine, but like you can pay to use it for, you know, your album to make or whatever. Money. Yeah. Right. And I haven't done anything major licensing wise. Like I know when I worked with um, LSU on some photos for a big campaign they did, like they wanted in their contract that they would be like basically property of them. Mm. And the, did rate, you say yes? But the rate they paid me was okay. Justified it's it. it's okay. one of those things where yeah. I'm okay with that. And as long as I can still use it on my website, like I don't care what you do with that at this point. Like, so that's where it gets kind of tricky. You just want to make sure like, it's at least a good rate or like a good reason because you have to think about like those photos were like random headshots of people. I don't think I'm going to need to sell them to anyone else down the road. Right, right. Yeah. But if it's like some really amazing shot of something kind of ambiguous or generic or a famous person, yeah, you want to hold those rights yourself unless someone wants to pay you a lot of money because you don't know what you might be able to license. You can keep licensing it, you know? Yeah, so it's sure. kind of like, right. I don't know if that makes sense. No, makes I'm not sense. very good at like, it's like a whole talk, confusing world. I think maybe it is. We'll and it's a lot of just wild throwing wild numbers and seeing what sticks. Right. It's a lot. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're supposed to be charging. I'm just doing what I've seen been done and done before and going off of that every time, you know? Right. So, um, so it's, Eight o'clock. Are you still okay to stay? Yeah, or? I'm down. Okay. I just need to do some self tanner when I get home. Right. It's really important. I have to shave my legs. Or already got it. Girl stuff. Really important. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you mentioned Baton Rouge has cheap prices. Baton Rouge is cheap. I think that's what did you say? I think you said Baton Rouge is cheap and yeah, all the people in Baton Rouge are cheap. Is that what you said? Well, I only I'm know joking. from my industry. I'm joking. So I don't know. Maybe for other things, weddings, they're obviously not. Like if obviously I was in the not, wedding industry, yeah. this is the place to be. Like the South and weddings, right. I'm in the wrong place for commercial work. Be but. a wedding photographer or own an old plantation maybe. And mm-hmm. then you would make a lot of money off weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did, you were not born here, right? I was born in Phoenix. Okay. And then did you, were you in Lake Charles? Yeah. My okay. family's from Lake Charles. So they it. wanted to move back to Lake Charles when I started high school. So okay. I was born in Phoenix, but I've been in Louisiana since like ninth grade. Okay. So that leads me to my question. You came here for LSU. Mm-hmm. Why are you still in Baton Rouge? I don't really know. And I know that's not the answer people want to hear. <laughs> I'm not like a Baton Rouge like hater, but I'm also not like, oh my God, like, love it. Going to be here forever. Like, I don't feel like this is my home or my end place at mm-hmm. all. I never have. It's one of those things where I truly blinked and it's been five years since I graduated. Um, going on six in August, which is bizarre to me because I'm at that point now where like I've lived in Baton Rouge longer than I was in college which Mm -hmm. was longer than I was in high school in Mm -hmm. Lake Charles Mm -hmm. but I still grew up in Phoenix for 14 years so I don't I'm like nearing that point where it's almost half and half of my life of where I've lived and I don't know I like Louisiana um, but I just really never thought I would be here and it just kind of graduated and just got to working and started meeting people and truly just blinked and now i'm like wait is it really 2020 like yeah i went to college in 2010 like it's been 10 years like what happened so i don't see myself living here long term at all but that's also what i thought five years ago and so i've been here half a decade now so i don't know i do or no like i think i think it may just be because i've been here my whole life but um 
And I, the other people that I know that have been there here their whole life were kind of always like, why do people come to Baton Rouge? Why do people like that aren't from here live here? LSU. Especially New Orleans is so close. I know LSU is a huge thing. Um, but then, I know you, uh, you're you super involved. Uh, involved. You go to a lot of like mid-city events mm-hmm. and, and you're a big a lot more involved in the Baton Rouge culture than I am. How do you, how would you, how do you feel like Baton Rouge compares in that aspect to New Orleans or, or Lake Charles? Well, I don't, it's weird because this is the only place in my like adult, I guess, coherent days that I've lived long okay, enough true. to know. Yep. When I was in high school, I was in Westlake, Louisiana, which is a small town outside Lake Charles. We were having like bonfires and like <laughs> driving to like Burger King. Like, I don't know what was going on in Lake Charles in like the young adult community. Mm-hmm. Now, my friends that still live there, it's like booming. They're having a great time. But I also don't live there. And I'm, I'm not part of it. I didn't live there when that was part of my life. Same with New Orleans. I'm there all the time. But I don't live there. I don't know like the circles there. So Baton Rouge is all I really have to go off of. And I feel like we have like an unusually tight knit creative community here for kind of a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider Baton Rouge to be like a little big town. Little big town. Like it's big. not. It's weird because it's really not that big, but it's also the capital, so it's kind of a right. big deal. And it's like super spread out. Mm-hmm. But, but like, I, I can't go anywhere without running into someone, and I don't right. mean that to be like I know everyone, but like I truly just can't. Like right. I was. At the coffee shop yesterday, I ran into two people. I was mm. there for an hour. It didn't matter. It was like noon on like a weekday. It just, mm. you never know. And so I don't know if that speaks to like what I do for a living and how I just meet lots of people or if it's truly just like we all just run in the same circles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely has a growing young professional population, I feel like. I don't think it's where it needs to be. Um, but it's not like nothing. That's for sure. If it was yeah. nothing, I would have left a long time ago. Right. It wouldn't have worked. What? Uh, so what's like some cities that you could see yourself living in? I, some of your favorites. For what I do, feel like I need to live anywhere that's bigger than what Baton Rouge is. Like, popula- like, like I need more businesses so to like work with more New people. Orleans? New Orleans, yeah, but even bigger than that probably. I'm thinking like Atlanta, like mm. Chicago, New York, L.A., something. And that sounds so cliche because you go and you where like that and you have like a hundred people just like you doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I truly feel like if I want to work more with like the music industry and like bigger companies doing commercial work, it just needs to be a bigger city bigger naturally. Pool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. New Orleans is bigger definitely, but not that much bigger. I feel like mm-hmm. I also do so much work there now. I don't know how much would change if I moved there. I'd still probably be in Baton Rouge doing the same amount of work I right. am, you know? So yeah, I don't know. Cool. I love Atlanta though. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Really? Yeah. I don't like it. I've, I've been to Atlanta like quite a few times. I don't really particularly love it. I like I Austin guess. too, but the Austin's like really so bad. hip Of course, now. the traffic in Austin's really bad too. Yeah. I do love Traffic Austin. here's really bad. It is, you're right. Honestly, traffic's I'm like, just... if traffic's... So when we went to LA to visit my friend a year or two ago, I was like, traffic's so bad, but like you'd expect it because it's so big and it's LA. Mm-hmm. Traffic in Baton Rouge is bad, but you, it shouldn't be because right. it's not... I'm, so I'm, all, I'm at the stage where I'm like, if I'm going to sit in traffic in Baton Rouge, I might as well sit in traffic like in LA right. or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? God, it is it is terrible. Did you... Random question. Did you, when you went to Europe, uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm assuming since you had a bunch of like family things, y'all mm-hmm. got a car and like mm-hmm. drove around. Uh, we went... Me and my wife went to Europe earlier this year mm-hmm. and we rented a car. Uh, and I like, before we went, I hated traffic circles, but after being over there, I love traffic circles. And I feel like if we had traffic circles and not red lights, we might have a few more crashes, but traffic would flow so much better. I think it would help with the flow, but I also don't, I don't trust, you don't trust anyone here. That's true. People I over there the traffic are much circles at town drivers. center are like death trap when I just right. try to go to Orange Theory. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, Jesus, are we all going to like... <laughs> 
it's like 10 a.m. Like, why are you trying to like crash into my car? Yeah. So I don't, if they can't even handle that, then I, I worry. But the driving yeah. in Europe is like another level of crazy. It is. They're much better drivers than Baton Rouge. I think I actually saw oh, yeah. a study that objectively said Baton Rouge was one of the top five worst I drivers. It. I think I think my wife said I that. hope I'm not included in that. But Hopefully I guess not. by I default, I consider myself are. a good driver, a very good driver. Uh, but I have gotten quite a few speeding tickets recently. So, really? Unfortunately. I've never yeah. gotten one. Knock right. on wood. Well, this is, and to be slightly sexist, I think it's because you're, how you got pulled over before? I got pulled over once. Okay, but you didn't get a ticket. Didn't get a ticket. I'm very, they told I'm, me I should have slowed down. I am very sexist in this particular area because I have never gotten pulled over and not gotten a ticket. And I know tons of ladies who have gotten pulled over and never gotten a ticket. I've gotten out of a few. How did you do that? I'm just a smooth talker, man. Maybe that's my yeah. problem, then. I really don't know. I, I've gotten the ratio, though. I've gotten pull, I've gotten pulled over many, many times. Really? Like how many? I drive a lot. Okay. You do drive a lot. Like um, how many? Like a dozen? Probably four or five times a year. Oh, okay. That's really? quite a few. I've yeah. only been pulled over once. Not I've been pulled not over like I probably drive thirty thousand miles a year. But and a lot been... of it's in like real rural towns I've never driven through before. So I'll just like run up on a speed trap yeah that's down how it happens yeah so but sometimes most times i'll talk myself out of it i mean probably half the time good for you i need to get some tips lots I of practice cops aren't listening i uh Thank I, y'all. <laughs> I was driving down the road like a month ago and listening to my podcast because my wife was listening not because i'm self-centered mm. uh like you're I, getting research <laughs> i got pulled over and uh while i was talking to the cop he was like so what y'all doing i said oh we're just driving you know we're up in the country actually driving wherever and uh just listen to a podcast and then he's like oh what podcast and i said oh actually uh it's my podcast because my wife hasn't heard it yet we're listening to he said oh okay you and then he was like you're a preacher or something and i said no uh just have a podcast uh and then i told him i was like you should check it out it's called chase doesn't know and then on the next one whenever i posted it at the beginning i was like hey if you're listening trooper palmer hit me up come <laughs> come be on the podcast haven't heard from him don't expect to Dang it. but anyways that'd be pretty legit it would be hey you don't know much about being a trooper do you no i know zero about being a trooper i can hook you up with a trooper other than i've met a few point the gun and write the ticket that's all i know about being a trooper um, i don't know anything either about that. <laughs> did you get to meet post malone no how close did you get to him like from me to you me to the wall that's like, pretty which close. is for the listeners 10 feet yeah, or less. I don't know how to measure with my eyes. Something <laughs> like that. But I was in a photo pit. He was on the stage. Um, yeah, he wasn't... I don't usually get to meet the artists very mm-hmm. rarely. Sometimes, like, it just depends um, how I got hired. If I got hired to, like, shoot that event and that was the person at the event, then, yeah, I get to meet him sometimes. Mm-hmm. But this was, like, straight up, like, I was just shooting the concert. Right. He was on the stage. You get to shoot three songs and then you move on and move over. But he... Um, sometimes when I shoot four festivals or, like, four... The event I can be on the stage. He was one that specifically. It didn't matter who you were; like mm. you couldn't be on the stage. That's because so. he has Adam DeGrosse, right? Yeah, and he's great. He always tags at Adam DeGrosse. He's great. He follows me, but I've never Adam met him. Adam DeGrosse, mm. legit. Never met him. You should DM him. Maybe I don't know. He would reply. You have I didn't know he was following he me. May I have got DM'd you. You just don't know. That's true. At the end of the Probably year, didn't. I got some like um, some website. I forget what it was. I got an email that was like your top nine. It's also like your top like notable followers, and it was like. Him and then like Dang. this really popular blogger I follow, and then I don't know if you know Joy the Baker. She's out of New Orleans, mm-hmm. but she's like a big time bloggy mm-hmm. baker, chef blog person. She's really nice. I've actually met her, um, but she's got a big following. But it was like it showed me those three following me. I was like, what? Nice. So Adam, I always liked his work because he does a lot of like really really cool like raw punk looking black and mm-hmm. white like 
very like raw looking stuff. Um, so but. if you were if you were a hired photographer for one music artist, who would it be? I don't know. Your dream. I don't know because uh, dead or alive, I'm, let's say. Okay, well, if it was alive, like the Beatles. Okay, that's my, well, my jam. Half or dead. maybe Zeppelin because they'd be more fun That'd to shoot nuts. on stage. Oh, the Beatles. Speaking are of, my you went thing. to Greta Van Fleet's concert. Oh yeah, that's they were insane. fun. Yeah, that was a situation was where actual... I had to sign a contract and I can't do like anything with my photos. Uh, right. I could barely even post them that one I saw, time. Yeah, so. I saw you posted like a couple. And I had to say like it was for the public. It was like uh, in the right. I had bummer. to get permission to do it. Was I the asked concert them... unbelievable at least? Yeah, it was great. They nice. were great. Nice. That's my brother's favorite band. So that was, you know, kind of like a bigger deal for him right. to have me shoot the concert. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, they were great. Their lighting was great. So that's what I was going to say is I guess like as much as I love music and shooting music I like, at when I'm shooting, it's I don't care who as long as they have good lighting. Like it just needs to. If I was gonna shoot someone, shot. they need to have money for a budget to have like a good stage setup because that's what makes the good photos, mm. honestly. Um, and they have to be doing something on stage. Like Elton John, super famous, probably the most famous person I ever photographed. The most boring person to photograph because he really? sits at his piano, yeah. and you get everything you need in 30 seconds, and you're kind of like, <laughs> well, he's not gonna move anymore. So I still have two songs left. I'm allowed to shoot. So you're kind of just like taking pictures. And that sounds like really spoiled, like brat of me to say. But truly, that's what I mean. Like, I don't care who you are. But if you're doing something cool on stage and you have good production, like, mm-hmm. that's what I want for photos. So. Um, who is the most famous person that you've taken a picture of? I, I don't know, because fame is like subjective, I guess. But I would say probably Elton John, maybe. LL Cool that was J. At, that was at maybe. Voodoo? Fest? No, that was at the River Center a couple of years oh. ago. It was for 225. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sweet. He was just randomly playing in Baton Rouge. Dang. And I did not think I'd get approved, but it was very cool. Like, I'm so happy I got to do it, but definitely not like my favorite photos or anything. They're just right. kind of just like him. They're just iconic because he's iconic, but it, they're not like, you know, my photography skill wasn't like put to work in that one. So. Right. Um, I don't know. LL Cool J was a kind of a big deal, but I don't know who the most famous person is. You you shot in some pretty interesting situations. I remember listening to your podcast about the... You listened to it too? I listened to your podcast too. Your basic podcast is but the one after, right after, I think it was right after your Kanye concert, Kanye mm-hmm. came to Bethany. Mm-hmm. That was a kind of a crazy day. I remember that you was talking about that. absolutely bonkers. Has there been like a single shoot that sticks out like you know, in your career that has been just bonkers like that? Or is that it? Is that the one that I just That take was it? one of them. Um, okay, so Cage the Elephant. I photographed them at Voodoo in 2016. And... That was, I wasn't shooting for Voodoo at the time. I was shooting just as a press person for like a website. And they were one of the few bands that made you sign an additional contract when you were there, but they let you shoot the whole set, which is very rare. You only ever get to shoot the first three songs. It's hmm. very industry standard. Some bands will be like, we want you to shoot our last three songs or our first two songs or our first 15 minutes. Like there's some stuff, but for the most part, it's industry standard to only shoot the first three. If you get the chance to shoot an entire set, it's usually because you're working for that artist or you're working for the event. Like, you have more access, but it's not normal. Um, and he slash the band let all the press photographers stay in the pit the entire hour. But we had to sign a contract saying that the photos could only be used for, like, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, which is always how it goes. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, you get these cool photos, but there are always the times that you can't use them. But I was able to post them at least. And that was crazy. He, I don't know, because for Voodoo, a lot of the artists dress up on stage and it's still unclear to me if he was dressed up or if he actually if he was bleeding, 
because like he was so crazy on stage like I don't know if he like hit him so he had like blood next to his mouth wow. and I still don't, it was like very like rock which is weird because you listen to their music and it's not like that heavy right. yeah. but in person they were so energetic I took like that was one of those situations I took like probably 10,000 photos in that hour Dang. of just them because he was just like you know, running around, like jumping, like going off the speakers, like jumping in the crowd, like jumping back, like moving the, you know, throwing the microphone, like crazy stuff. And for an hour, it was just like, you didn't want to, like you pretty much had what you needed. You could have left, but like, you were like, what is he going to do yeah, next? So you just stayed. Can't miss it. So that was a pretty fun one because the photos I got were like really, really cool, but it was just so energetic. And you had to like watch where you were. Like that was one of those situations where he was like jumping off the stage. You didn't, you didn't know if you were safe, like where you were. <laughs> it was just craziness. So that was cool. I think he'd be really fun to like, um, and I say he like the singer. What's his name? Like Matthew? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's like Matthew, something like that. But he, I say he, but it's the band. But the band wasn't really doing much. He was just going crazy. Going nuts, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That was a fun one. And bleeding. He was yeah, like which committed. I'm still like, not sure if that was like a costume thing or not. Very unclear. Interesting. Sold you. <laughs> yeah, right? What's some of your favorite bands? Um, I share your love of... Under Oath and Reliant K. I listen to Under Oath like like absolutely weekly for sure. Yeah, well, I pretty much stick with their only chasing safety album. Of course, on repeat. Yeah, the new stuff's terrible. It's not terrible, but the old stuff is the best. Yeah, I love that album. So it's funny. So when I was growing up, I listened to a little bit of everything, Mm -hmm. and in. High school, I was like MySpace kid, like all time low, made a grade, all the emo bands, whatever. But I didn't really listen to anything super heavy. Like a day to remember was like as heavy as it got. Mm -hmm. And then in college, I was sorority girl, so I was kind of like, okay, I guess I like Luke Bryan. Like that's all fun. Like Eli (laughs) Young band, this is great too. I I like everything. I truly, truly do. So, but I went through like phases, you know. Yeah. And I was an art major, so it was like, okay, Mumford and Sons. We're gonna listen to like Bon Iver, all this like hipster shit. And then I graduated. Well, around graduation, I met my boyfriend Christian, who was used to be in a metalcore band. Like before I met him, nice. and he was like, we are parallels of like all the same everything, but like just the opposite side. So I was the pop punk side, and he was like the under oath and you right. know like that is metal hilarious. core hardcore stuff. So I went through we I went through that with some of my friends in like junior high and high school. We were like doing the exact yeah. same thing. So I'm with yeah, and so like he, we both kind of liked a little bit of right. the other side, but like we met and then we started kind of like trading iTunes right. libraries Comparing, and like going to shows yeah. together. And I started photographing the shows and. Then now, like, it's kind of the opposite. Like, he's, like, obsessed with, like... I mean, we still both like everything, but I love... Especially with photography, I love to shoot the hev- the heavier stuff. It's just so much fun. It's mm-hmm. so energetic. It's, mm-hmm. like, lots of stuff going on. Um, and he, like, wants to be in a pop-punk pop band. So it's funny, because I grew up kind of more on, like, the, the poppier side mm-hmm. of the MySpace stuff. But... So I listen to a lot of music from like 2006 to like 2009 nice. i don't i don't really go much past that mm-hmm. i listen to i like rap too like i love Lil boozy mm-hmm. webby all the trill fam yep. stuff yep. Uh, the baton rouge rap scenes great kevin gates all that but a lot of what i listen to on a daily basis is like the story so far the first red jumpsuit apparatus mm-hmm. album um don't you fake it um great one Oh yeah, I used to hate it when Under I a, when we wrote. It. I was like, oh, that music's not good. But now it's like I it's like so, it a lot. It's just so nostalgic. It's so good. Um, I listen to a lot of Casey Musgraves. I love Taylor Swift. I've been like one of her like hardcore really? like, OG fans. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I you don't like Taylor Swift girl. No, I can see that. Okay. I mean, right. I don't, and I really don't even like her new stuff that much at all. I just have been like such a fan of her mm-hmm. that I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever you do, it'll be great. Um, I don't love. Beyonce at all. I'm not really into Beyonce. I hate Miley Cyrus. How dare you talk about Beyonce? It's a strong word. (laughs) You can't get into it. But a lot of the stuff I listen to on a daily basis is like The Beatles, Under Oath, Knuckle Puck, Story So Far, Midi Parade, all the the old Midi Parade stuff. Love it. Um, Oh my God, Linkin Park Meteora. 
It's my like fifth grade jam, but it just never gets old. Did you cry whenever the guy? I didn't died? cry, but it was the first time that a celebrity death really affected, affected me right like more so than like people i have actually, I actually was affected it was by bizarre. that too. yeah and i don't even i only listen to meteor and hybrid theory i don't listen to like really anything else that they've done and that's like just a fraction of all their stuff but for some reason it really really affected me it was mm-hmm. bizarre because like the Soundgarden guy died the week before right. yeah. or the year before i think they were like good friends too i think yeah perhaps. well there's some conspiracy theories about them and like they both knew something and that's why it wasn't really suicide but I'm not interested in that. We can talk about conspiracy <laughs> theories if you want. I'm afraid to like miss say things because like inaccurate or yeah, because uh, okay. I listen to so much stuff that like right part of it soaks in, but the rest of it just kind of falls out. And I don't know if I'm making things up at that point. So do you spend a lot of time reading conspiracy theories and watching videos and stuff? Reading and listening, and I subscribe for an entertainment lawyer podcast on Patreon. Wow, it's like five dollars a month. It's a really entertainment good deal. lawyer podcast. Yeah, his and name, he like makes videos. He's about- anonymous. And he knows everything, and it's always true. Like, he'll say, it's like blinds, you know, like celebrity blinds. No. So it's like a style of gossip column stuff where it's like, to avoid slander, they'll be like, this A-lister married to a B-list reality star did this, this, and this. And, like, they won't say the name and people guess. But then, like, they'll reveal who it is after it's safe to. Hmm. And he's always right, and it's crazy. And so he has a podcast, and he talks about all kinds of stuff, and it's all celebrity related. And he's anonymous too. Yeah, he's not because okay. if he wasn't, he'd be right. dead by right. now. He'd he's be like he's up. Yeah. he knew about like Kylie Jenner being pregnant before it all. He knew about like Dang. the Harvey Weinstein stuff. He knew about it years ago. He was writing about it for years. Like he knows everything. So what do you say about Jeffrey Epstein? Oh, he's okay. I'm not even like there's like so many podcast episodes in this. I can't even keep up. But he's been talking <laughs> about him right. before every like he's just been he knows everything. And it all sounds crazy. You're like, there's no way like Selena Gomez, like her lupus isn't real. It's cocaine addiction, like all this stuff. And you're like, that sounds crazy. But then like things get revealed and it comes out in the press. And he was right. And it was he was right like a day before it came out. And you're wow. like, whoa. So he's got a podcast and you have to pay five dollars a month for it. But it's like he releases like 30 episodes a month. Like it's ridiculous. Wow. It's the best five dollars you ever spend. And it's not like interesting. It's no frills. It's just him sitting and talking about things but the content is interesting it's good and so he talks about some conspiracy stuff um a lot of stuff he talks about i don't know because i really don't know a lot of celebrities i don't watch a lot of movies so i don't know who a lot of the actors and actresses are but Mm -hmm. he'll talk about certain things and it's very interesting just the way hollywood and everything works so what's the name of it it's just he's nt lawyer e-n-t-y lawyer you can go follow him on instagram okay and you sign up for his podcast there but his website is called crazy days and nights and it's okay. just like a blind, it's like a gossip blind website, which I never really was into until like a year ago. I started reading it and I was like, this is super fascinating. And then like, I don't even remember a specific example, but one of the things he said, I was like, there's no way. And then it happened. Like I saw it in the news. That's crazy. So I was like, oh, oh, the Matt Lauer stuff. Like he knew about oh, the Matt wow. Lauer stuff. And I was like, that, no, everyone loves Matt Lauer. Like, right. And then it happened. You're like, oh my God. And he was right. So he's anonymous. And he just posts lots of true things. He's just That's a lawyer, awesome. so he just knows things. I've never heard of this. I'm definitely going to check really it out. It's really interesting. It's kind of a black hole. So it, but all of his content is behind the paywall? No. The okay. website's not. Okay. The, and some of his podcasts, Sweet, if you I'm just download Patreon, do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you download that and like go follow him on there, I think there's some that are unlocked, okay. but you have Sweet. to pay for it but um like i said he's not like he's not super interesting there's no there's no intro there's no right, music right, there's right. nothing no editing it's just like him straight up i can appreciate talking. that he's just giving you he the substance talks no, and some episodes no are like frills. 15 minutes and some episodes are like an hour and sometimes he has people call in and it's all like anonymous but he knows his stuff and it's really interesting dang that's cool um uh, i want to keep you forever but tell me about uh getting on the radio oh jada cody yeah that was cool i was at government taco one day 
getting some tacos and Jay was like, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you. Nice. I got bought out by Guarantee. Do you want to be on my radio show every week? And I was like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that's basically how it happened. And he was like, all right, like what time do you want to do it? Like Wednesdays? And it'll be like, you know, little segment because you can talk about your podcast on there. I was like, great. So that was one situation where I never realized how starting a podcast would open different right. doors um, because people think if you do something that all of a sudden like you're credible. They're like, oh, you right. have a podcast. You should be on the radio. I'm like, okay, cool. Right. Like, I just started this in my house. So that's awesome. Um, it's cool. We go live. He's live like every Monday through Friday, right. like four thirty to whatever six. No, like four to six or something like that. And I just go on Wednesdays four thirty to five. Um, yeah. How's it different from doing a podcast? Is it like more pressure because it's live? It is, I don't know. It's like isn't. it's kind of like it makes radio you feel like still... it's not live because you're just like in a room talking. You kind okay. of forget like people are listening, and then I don't know who's listening. I'm like, is one person listening? Is like twenty thousand people listening? I have no idea. So what are you doing for that thirty minutes on Wednesdays? Um, what was your just, segment? It's called Do What You Want with Jordan Heffler, and he just like talks about whatever. And the last two weeks, it was like Christmas and New Year's, so we didn't do it. And like sometimes he's out of town, so we don't do it. But yesterday I went on and. He wanted to talk about like my favorite photos from 2019. He was like, compile your favorites and post yeah. them so we can talk about them. So he usually has a prompt. Like he'll be like, okay, today we're going to talk about like, what did, you know, what did you do this weekend? Or, oh, we're going to talk about shooting the LSU game or whatever. Yeah. So he kind of comes up with subjects, but it's, um, it makes you realize how fast time goes by. Because mm-hmm. I feel like between the ads and like a little banter and then talking for a second, you're like, oh, it's been 15 minutes. Like it's over. And then, so I originally was only a 15 minute segment and he's kind of just let me stay on for the second part of it since then so it's kind of like a 30 minute segment but cool. there's like commercial breaks and stuff so it's not fully 30 minutes so it's cool to see how like the back end of that works yeah. I love watching Chuck he's the guy that does the sound stuff mm-hmm. and I don't know what he's doing but he's yeah. got like command central over here like like you it basically sounds neat. Right now. No, it sounds really cool, it's I'm, cool yeah. I'm like I want to come watch yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's like it's so low key it's like just sitting in a room like you forget that it's live and people are listening because it's just like two dudes in a room yeah. and then you and you come sit um, but I had one person Message me on Instagram and follow me and be like, I found you from the, the radio. Cool. And I was like, oh, so people are listening because I have no idea. You're just talking and mm-hmm. you don't know like where, where it's going. Where do you listen? 107.3. Talk 107.3. Talk or on their Facebook or website. They like post. Yeah, he, he has does, a like, Facebook live, live of every and, yeah. single segment and yeah. he's on the radio like every day. So Sweet. I'm going to check yeah. it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Um, so how did you do 50 episodes of your podcast last year? Ugh, not well. I guess <laughs> <laughs> that's like a ton of time and work and that's yeah. basically one a week for a whole year that was the goal I skipped some weeks um, I don't know I started it I think it was like two days ago it had been a, exactly a year because I got mm. something on my Facebook that popped up saying like it's been a year so I started it in January and was like I'm going to do one every other week and then I was like this is easier than it. I thought it would be I'll just do one every week and for a while I really had a lot of people and content lined up so I had like a backlog of like two months so I was like nice. okay I'm good but then it was weird because I was talking with someone today that's not going to go live for two more months yeah. and I didn't like that either but once I ran out of those backlog episodes I started to scramble and be like I'm supposed to have one up by next week like oh my god and so I just felt like I kind of let quality slip a little bit because I was kind of just scrambling to get it out for the sake of getting it out um, and I don't do a whole lot of editing I just throw my intro on it and mm-hmm. we talk and then I export it there's been a couple I had to edit um, a little bit but I don't spend too much time on that. But then I have to do the show notes and like get the SEO up there and like find what we talked about and design a little graphic. And so that takes some time. Yeah. But it's <clears> not <throat> a huge time commitment. Well, I was. It's not hard. It's just tedious. But it's not like a massive time commitment. But it's just like kind of hard to stay on top of it. Right. So I don't know how it happened because I haven't made one since like November. And now I'm like, 
I don't even remember how I did it. Like, what? <laughs> it's like one of those things when you do something so much, yeah. you're like, hey, and then you stop and you're like, wait. So how many are you planning to do this year? I don't know, because I wasn't ever really originally planning on doing seasons. It was just kind of like coming up on fifth, the number 50, and I was like, I'm getting burnt out. It's yeah. going to be the holidays. Like, I just want to take a break. Let me just get to like a round number, and I'll just call it season one. So um, 50 just seemed like a good number. And so there's a couple of mini-sodes in there that I did myself, which I didn't know if that was like successful or not. Mm-hmm. I could talk more on my own, but I like having a guest. But it's hard to get schedules to line up and to come over to my house and try to make sure – you know, everything works out and then that I have enough time on the back end to get it up and out with my schedule of the rest of the stuff I have going right. on. And like I said, I'm not getting paid anything for it. So it becomes very much like last on my list of things to do, but then I want to stay consistent. So you're trying to like right. make it happen. But it's like, if I have a paid client that needs something before that, then that's what happens. So try to stay consistent the best I could. It fell off a little bit, but. So, so you're like, you kind of started it because you thought it'd be fun to do. Mm-hmm. You like enjoyed it, but then kind of got a little burnt out. Yeah, just because it's so much. Yeah, I I like you like to talk to people, mm-hmm. and I feel like I just had lots of really good conversations with people that I was like, I wish this would have been recorded. Let me right. just start a podcast, and so I cool. had that idea like a while back, and I bought a mic and let it sit in my closet for a year, and I mm-hmm. didn't know like because I was like, I'm okay. Next time I have time, I'll figure it out, and then oh, tomorrow I'll look at it, and I just never like looked at it, and I was like so kind of overwhelmed with like the tech side, like is this gonna be hard? Like will. It, do I need to get like a studio? I don't have money or time for that. So I just like put it off, put it up, put it off. And then eventually I just like figured it out like in an hour. And I was like, this is nice. not that hard. <laughs> right. You just have to turn it on and talk. So then I was like, well, this is easier than blogging. This is easier than everything else. You just talk. Yeah. Um. So once I figured that out, it was easier. It just became like hard with other people and scheduling. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I felt like I got a little burnout towards the end. Also, because I just want to be more selective with who comes on the podcast. And I don't know how to structure that um, at all because I don't know how to tell people like, no, because yeah, it's do what you want. Like, there's really not that much of a structure. So I was kind of curious how you decided like who to ask and what if you had a direction or you just wanted. To... Well, I have a mega list of people I would like to ask, mm-hmm. and then people started just asking me to be on it, and then it kept like happening, and then I never really got to finish the list of people I wanted to be on there. So, right. no shade to whoever came on. It's one of those things where like I just kind of got caught up in saying yes to everybody, and it mm-hmm. snowballed, and then now I wanted to kind of cut that off and be like, okay. I'm not moving forward until I like interview these 10 people I want to or whatever. So, um, who's at the top of your list? Uh, this guy, Matt Crump, he's a photographer, lives in Austin. And Matt Crump. I've only met him once. He's like a unicorn, like colorful, crazy. Okay. Not the Matt he's Crump kind of a, He's kind of like a big photographer influencer guy, but cool. I met him. He's really nice. <clears> and we text every now and then, and we were supposed to like get a podcast up and it just never happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm still very much like wanting him to come on. We'd have to Skype or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know who like my number one person I'd ever want to be on it. Maybe Jeffree Star. He'd be cool. Jeffree Star. So you watched the YouTube series on him? I watched the, the Jake Paul one that he did. See, I didn't watch that because I don't know Jake and Logan Paul well. Me neither. But like, it was fascinating that there was going to be a series about him. And so. Was it fascinating? It was actually really fascinating. Well, the one with Shane Dawson was incredible. Like I'm like a Jeffree Star, like stand now like i didn't think that's no I, that yeah the, the shane shane dawson did on jake paul yeah yeah yeah. Oh, that's what i mean i was talking about the shane dawson one did on jeffrey on jeffrey yeah, yeah. I, was, I have not watched that one that, but that one's also it's fascinating marketing that like the, the, the like the kardashian stuff it's just like jeffrey star is an actual mogul like he's a genius he's so rich and from he's self-made like, it's insane and you don't know that because you're just like he's like a guy that you've re- re- i can't talk right now he's a guy <laughs> that reviews makeup but he's 
built an empire with his own cosmetics company. It's insane. And he's so transparent on his YouTube that it's like, wow, he's just really just like this dude that is doing the thing. Just doing his thing. And the doing videos with Shane Dawson <clears throat> exposing all that and the process of it, the, they make a makeup palette together. I don't mm. know if you know how this all this goes. but I do not. I know zero about makeup. Maybe you could inform me a little bit about that too. Well, Shane Dawson is a big YouTuber. Right. Jeffree Star's a big YouTuber. But Shane... You know, Jeffrey, I don't really know what his label is. He's a man. He goes by man, but he, you know, obviously wears makeup and has, right. like, women's clothing and stuff. So he's got his own thing going on. But Shane is just, like, a gay man. Right. Well, they do this series together, and Shane starts dabbling in wearing makeup because Jeffrey's like, I'm a man. I wear makeup. Like, whatever. That's what you do. And they decided to... Well, Shane learns about the business side of things, how much money Jeffrey makes, like the operations side, like the cosmetics company, how he's got his own lab. He's bought his own studio. He's doing it all, marketing it. He's got this whole team. He wow. is like head honcho, making a bajillion dollars, has like Lamborghini. Can't talk. Oh, my God. Lamborghini, Lambos. Tesla, like, you know, Bugatti, all this stuff. That's crazy. He's so rich. He lives like next door to the Kardashians and the Calabasas. He's like on that level, but he's a YouTube star. He's self-made mm -hmm. versus all these other actresses and actors who are like Hollywood stars. It's crazy. And so Shane kind of dives into that, learns about it, and then wants to know the process of like, okay, what goes into making makeup? I don't wear makeup. What's it like? And Jeffrey's like, well, let's make a palette together and I'll show you. And then they learn about the whole side of like working with brands where Shane's like, as a YouTuber, in the past when I work with other brands, I only get paid like this percent and Jeffrey's like oh no like you need to be negotiating this it's very business oriented wow. it's a very, very interesting yes like. and Shane they make this palette so it's genius because they're once again this is self-made they're making this on their own platforms they're controlling it mm -hmm. it's like a TV show essentially but it's on their own platforms so they're getting ad pay from YouTube they're getting sponsorships for the video then they're also making a product but gaining an audience while they're making this product because the audience is like now in on it. Right. And so now like here I'm like, I want to buy this palette just because I'm watching the process of it being made. I'm fascinated. Right. So this palette breaks Shopify's history when it launches. Dang. Uh, not his, yeah. Breaks the historical record yep. for Shopify sales, like breaks all these records. It crashes their websites. Like it, no one can do anything. Shopify's never crashed before. No one can shop. It makes them like a bajillion dollars like the first day. <laughs> Shane gets like 35% of the cut. So he's about to like faint because he's like, I made this much money. We didn't even like send them out yet. Dang. It's all in back order. You still can't get them. I asked for one for Christmas. Like you can't. It's like such high demand. And it's all because they created the hype themselves and like showed you right. the transparent process. It's so fascinating. Even if you don't care about makeup or anything as a business person, like it's so interesting. That was so a long, like... That was, yeah, yeah that but was, like, 40 I'm, levels deeper than I thought it was. I was, exactly, because I was like, oh, I'll watch this because it's, like, yeah, whatever. entertainment. I hear it's good, but it's anyone who's interested in, like, marketing, like, branding. They show you, like, down to, like, okay, the little logo we're going to design for this thing. We're going to stamp it into the palette. No, that color's not right. Like, let's, like, redo that. Like, Dang. now the mock-ups of how the palette looks. So it's not even just about makeup. It's about, like, the business. And they make so much freaking money from it. And then they show you the whole process of it make a built-in audience and then like sell out it's just insane dang now they're so rich that sounds insane. it's crazy i might have to watch it it's I, really is interesting. like eight hours of video or something it's like eight hour series yeah i think actually it's like five to eight episodes i don't remember but oh, yeah. but then so you watch that and it it ends like recently like it ended like in the beginning right. of december or november because the launch was in november so it was very recent so they're still having to deal with the products and the quality control of everything but jeffrey just recently moved into a new mansion and he chose a video of that and you're just like this like it's the <laughs> amount of wealth is shocking it's just and it's not like in a show-offy way he's like six years ago i had like tax debt i didn't i had 500 dollars. like now <laughs> yeah that's, he's like the I richest mean, person i guess like on one on one face like you or on one side you look at it and see like a guy in makeup and you know there's a million right. opinions you could have with somebody like that but yeah. then i can 100 percent appreciate the self 
self-made and all of the thought behind the brand. It's crazy because it's very aspirational because you're just kind of like, you did this with a camera and YouTube. Right. Like, you built this. It's super fascinating. So now I'm like, I need to get on YouTube, obviously. Right, of course. Is that why you started making YouTube videos? Kind of. I need to do more and, like, put more effort and, like, time into it because I enjoy doing it. It's just very time-consuming, and Mm -hmm. I don't know what to video. But, Mm -hmm. like I said, there's actual idiots out here, like, just making six figures, like, vlogging their day and what kind of smoothie they make. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like, there's so many opportunities for me to, like, not like copy them, but like do something similar, but with, with what I do and right. see how that can. So how, how do you like come up with creative ideas? Usually people or someone once told me like if someone asks you the same question three times, then you need to make a product or a solution. And I've always kept that in mind. So it's like my workshop, my presets. And if someone asked me three times, mm-hmm. which happened multiple times, like how do you edit your photos? Boom. I knew I needed to create some sort of workshop or product that cool. answered that. Um, people want to know what kind of gear do you use? Like, all these questions about me I'm like I'll make a podcast and I'll just answer all these things as we go cool. so for me it's kind of like what do people want to see and so I haven't really made videos that are actually like worth anything lately I mean I've kind of just made some fun introductory things but I will look at what do people ask me the most questions about and mm-hmm. I'll make a thing and that way next time someone asks me I can send them a link right and be that's done smart. with that so yeah that's awesome um I promise I'm, I'm like I'm exploiting your time. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what's what's coming up for you? What are you excited about doing? Um, Besides, of course, Monday's championship game. That's really that's all on the radar right now. I got some people contacting me. I cannot talk right now. Contacting <laughs> me. This is what happens when I talk too much. Are you a podcaster? I, start, God, I shouldn't be. I really, I don't really stutter, but I mostly just like talk so fast that my words don't keep up, and then I just sound. I drunk love people that talk not. fast because it's like. People that talk slow are literally the worst. It's like, like I could have been going like, like 10 We have one yet. life to live, man. I got shit to do, so I'm right. going to talk fast. Exactly. Um, no, what was I saying? What you're looking forward to doing. Oh. Or what you exciting Yeah, things. pretty much Monday is all I got on the radar Love right it. now. Love it. Okay. I don't have a whole lot on are the radar Are you more short, right short-term vision person? or? Yeah, and people try to like... The thing that's why I stopped, like, I hated weddings and stuff. I don't want to know what am I doing next year on mm-hmm. Tuesday, June, whatever. I don't know. Like, so when people try to book me more than, like, three, four weeks out, I get, like, up, like anxious. Because I'm like, I, what if something better comes along? What if I break my leg? Like, what? I don't know. Like, it's just I don't like having stuff on the horizon that far out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm also, I don't, you can't ask me something, like, too short in advance either. Like, this actually worked out. Right. Like asking free. you to do a podcast like, the day like, before. <laughs> before like a shoot. Like if you were like tomorrow, do a commercial shoot like all day long. Like we have models. I'm like, no, I can't do yeah. that. I have to go to Manship that day. Like whatever. I have like a two to four week window, I feel like, of when I need to know. So right now I have like a girl schedule for senior pictures in March. And that's like the furthest thing in advance nice. I have. <laughs> cool. Love it. And a wedding I have to go to in April. So. And who's who's the next podcast guest? Do you have it lined up? Um, Kind of. Okay. I don't know for sure if that will be the first episode but hopefully it'll be an audio engineer nice so those people are that. i've been asking i've been trying to get a friend of mine uh who do you know contrast films uh, yeah uh I'm, gonna, I'm calling him out right now jordy i messaged him i've known him for a long time but i've been wanting to get him to come be on my podcast because um similar to how i know nothing about photography mm-hmm. uh i know not much about film production which carl does a lot of film either. production too to listen to that. but i want to ask him like all of the super and he's done like a lot of vivo music videos and like film stuff yeah. and all this like big time whatever yeah and so i, I would love to, to talk to him one. please talk about to him that. so i can listen to that audio engineers and film filmographers filmmakers filmmakers there we go filmmakers me and carl yeah, are gonna do I a never podcast know, too. videographer filmmaker or cinematographer like which one is it they're all the same thing i think okay okay good to know they might they might disagree whoever calls themselves one of the three but yeah i never know is it like one of those status things i have no you clue. have to call me by whatever i don't know 
You ever notice how actors call movies films and not movies? Mm-hmm. It's kind of pretentious, I think. Well, we always learned in art school that you don't take a photograph, you make a photograph. Interesting. It was always supposed to be like you... Like you I'm craft like, it. I'm, you make this. And I'm like, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. And kind of, too, like we're supposed to say like our photos and our pictures. Like our, our images, our photography, our okay. photos. Not like and you took some pictures. But right. at some point, you just kind of start saying it also. Right. I got you. But yeah, you make a photograph, not take it. Which is interesting to think about it that way. Because back in the day with like film and developing, like you really were making, it was like a chemistry thing. Like you right. were making something. Right. With the exposure and the math, and it was like a whole thing. But now it's kind of like, you're not making photographs with your iPhone. <laughs> you're just taking pictures. Of course. <laughs> do you do any uh, film photos, by the way? Or all digital? I haven't. In a long time. Okay. In Just college, that's what we learned. We had to like do black, like black and white darkroom developing, like on thirty-five millimeter film. And I did like the um, large format, well, medium format film where you go under the curtain, like and you yeah yeah the, yeah sh- like the, the big bellows. Wow. I'm see, technically challenged. I can't even tell you the name of that camera because I already forgot. But we did a lot of that, and that was really very humbling because it's <laughs> very time consuming. Yeah. And if your film gets messed up, you do it again, over and over and over again. I was doing nude portraits of this dude. I had to go to his house wow. like six times because like the film kept getting messed up and then it was like awkward because I'm like, I'm sorry. But they always told you in art school, like if you did anything like nude, it was like you'd be taken really seriously. It's like like okay. study of the body because we would draw like nude people and we had like a figure drawing class where like there'd be like a naked guy in the middle and you draw it. So it was kind wow. of the same thing with photography. It was kind of like one of those things where it was an unspoken thing. Like if you do at least one series of like nude work, then you'll be taken super seriously. So I was like, I'll do it. And I chose it to do it off? with the giant camera, and the film got messed up, like, multiple times in a row. I had to keep, like, rescheduling with him, like, do it again, do it again. Good thing we were friends, but it was just kind of like, hey, I'm back, get naked again. Like, <laughs> that is crazy. So, But the photos actually were kind of cool. They were black and white, like, super yeah. abstract. Like, it's n- nothing, like, you know, really, you know, I don't know, scene, what's it called? Uh, Artsy? Not scenic, uh, sensor. Uh, uh, central. Yeah, I don't mean okay. it, I don't mean it like that. Like it wasn't like um like porn. It was just like, it was just like super, biology like, class. Close up, yeah, close up like of an elbow with like okay, light or whatever. It. Like got it was it. like very like. That is fascinating. You mentioned a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. You mentioned a lot, a lot of everybody has iPhone photos and crazy yeah. stuff. What? How do you feel about people printing pictures? Are, are you like? I think you still need to. You believer in that? I mean, I know. Yeah, and I I'm, know. I have a. I'm also at phone. fault from not doing it, but um, that's why. Yeah, I, I think everyone should, and that's why when I have like an art show, I don't know if people really appreciate how expensive it is to do and how much work goes into framing something and putting it on the wall, and like even just for you and like your kids, like putting like printing everything, putting them in scrapbooks, like, it takes time, mm-hmm. and there's something very like because um, it's so hands on. It's kind of like cathartic almost because you're like really like looking at the photo, and I think a printed photo on its own. Is so has so many more meanings. I'm getting to my art school mind here, but so much more meaning than like just swiping through the same thing in your camera. Mm-hmm. So like so many times, like a photo, I think that's so good for like Instagram. A completely different one might be the best one I want to print because it's just like something different about having a printed photo. The moments are different, and when you're like eye is just on that one thing and there's nothing else around, you're not quickly scrolling past it to go to the next thing. You can mm-hmm. spend more time looking at it, and I think it makes it more important because you think about like the photos you had on the wall when you were a kid. They stick with you, but like. Can you, I mean, if you have a kid now and you take a hundred photos of him a day, like you can't, right. there's nothing that really sticks out to you. You're just doing it all the time. But like, you remember the ones that were like on the wall, you know? Right. So That's I cool. think trying to print things is important. That's yeah. one thing I want to do more in Same. 2020, Printing. like print pictures. I take pictures all the time for work or for, you know, with my family mm-hmm. and my wife and I don't have any on a wall. Well, anywhere. and there's really great ways. Like I told that website blurb where I self-published the book. 
anyone can do that. It takes some time and it costs a little bit of money, but you can make some really beautiful albums on your own. You can make calendars. You can get like Shutterfly or anything to print. Like any of those things is still better than having it on your phone because if you drop that tomorrow in a puddle and you don't have it backed up, like what's it? I mean, also you could have printed stuff and it can catch on fire, flood, whatever. But, you know, just it's good to have printed stuff. I think it means more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of fascinating too to think I have like five or so pictures of like my grandfather, mm-hmm. but like my grandkids will probably, and yours especially. Yeah, but I took five have, photos of myself like today. Like, right, you know, right, it's just thousands of photos. Yeah. It's interesting, super interesting thing. About. All right, a couple more quick questions. Okay. Who, what photographers do you look up to? And what local photographers should we look out for or should we know about? Okay. Um, I love this music photographer named Ashley Osborne. She does a lot of concert stuff. For Ozzy or? <laughs> Really, I guess I don't know. Um, she she probably could. She I'm good, I only I'm met good her once. Jokes, she's way, really sorry. nice. Oh, you're fine. She's really nice. I met her once, and she lives in L. A. Now she's from like Chicago, I think. But she's very very good, and she's one of those like success stories of like someone nice. like me just shooting concerts, but like has done the damn thing. Like she's yeah. like on set of Selena Gomez's like music video. She's done wow. album covers. Like she's doing the thing, and she's very talented. Her aesthetic is very different than mine. It's very dark, moody, black and white mostly. Um, but we shoot similar bands and she's very much in that warp tour scene of mm-hmm. bands and I just really love her work and I think she's someone I look up to in terms of like someone who moved somewhere and is on another like level of what she's doing now mm-hmm. just from doing it for so long so she's great I love William Eggleston he's like an old school photographer like Polaroid stuff I love his use of color and his like randomness like it's kind of like my occupied vacant like bathroom stuff emulates mm-hmm. that where it's just like random not much so he does less like portraits and less people it is people too but it's not it's nothing post it's like it's very much like candid low key moments that just gotcha. captured um, cool and I just love like the retro aesthetic of like anything that was taken in the 60s or 70s for the film anyway. So mm-hmm. that's why I like his work. It was from then. Um, and there's another photographer named Neil Krug. He does like a lot of really colorful, abstract stuff for artists now. Like I think he's done a cover for like Lana Del Rey and like um, the Foo Fighters and some people. But they're like really artsy, crazy, like conceptual things like in the desert with like multiple colors and wow. stuff. But he's cool. Um, and then like locally... So Chris Parent, mm-hmm. incredible. LSU guy. Yeah, he's incredible. Like if you look at his sports photography, he's got a really good way of making them artistic. Because I feel like there's a difference between like like journalism photography, people who shoot for like the Advocate or like the, the newspaper, like have a certain aesthetic because mm-hmm. they have a different mission. And the people who shoot for like magazines have a different mission. And then people who shoot for like the brand, like he's shooting for LSU as a brand, have a different mission. Mm-hmm. And everyone's photos could be of the same thing, but are completely different approaches. I think Chris is really great at making photos of like the gymnastics team or like the swimmers or football players or whatever. It all looks so cohesive for LSU as a brand. Like, and it's crazy that like his style is developing like what LSU That's brand pretty is. Cool. It's yeah. like he's part of that story. Wow. Um, Gus Stark is another photographer that shoots for LSU right now. He's really great as well. They're both so talented. Like I fangirl over both of them all the time. Um, but they're both majority. Um, I can't talk. The they both. Primarily, I can't talk. Let's <laughs> do sports photography. I'm like twisting my words. And then, so another photographer, Taylor Hunter, she actually just moved from Baton Rouge to Atlanta. She's really talented. She's good at portraits and and um, lifestyle stuff. I think she's really great. 
and I'm blanking right now, and I'm probably going to scream at myself later because I'll remember everybody, but <laughs> I like to see a lot of people's work. Yeah. Uh, do, are you, like, influenced by anybody in particular? Hmm. Or do you just do what you want? That's another I'm definitely concept. influenced probably by a lot of people, especially subconsciously. Um, Is that, like, a thing, like, in art, art school of, like, do they teach you, like, the mechanics of it and then they say, you know, develop your own thing or is it more of like they're showing you all of these great pictures and telling you the styles and you it's just... It's both. Okay. It's both. And I would say like, I, I hate to like dog on the art school because I had a great time and I learned a lot, but like so much of what I do now is nothing that really I did in college. Like we really didn't focus at all on the business side of anything and didn't talk about having websites really into like the senior year like last semester like that kind of stuff we focused a lot on aesthetic and um well not even aesthetic like conceptual stuff like it was about like like why you do certain things why like what does this picture mean like what okay. what are you trying to convey through it and that's all great but i don't really have that much of that going on in my work now it's very much commercial based like you pay me for a picture you look yeah. good in it like i give it to you like there's no no, no deeper meaning it's like you did you look good in it or not mm-hmm. or like was it good for your brand or not so when I do personal work, I have like concepts, but I don't think that way as much anymore. Because in school, that's pretty much like what you're doing. It's mm-hmm. like this picture of like this soda can. Like, why? Like in the critique, like why is it? Like is it the color? Is the shadow? Like what does this mean? And you're not really talking so much about like the technicality of it, or, or the style. And so we, we focused a lot on like metaphorical things and like abstract things, and less on the technical side of things. I still don't know how to use my flash properly. I don't really know how to use like lighting equipment that mm-hmm. well. Like, because we don't focus a lot on that. It's very much like learn film, learn why the photo means this. And then that was kind of it. And so a lot of like the digital tricks I've learned, like workflow stuff, like how to do things faster or how to deal with clients. I learned a lot of that by interning for the other photographer or just like trial and error on my own. So that's kind of frustrating because we didn't learn a lot of that in college. But right. um, it is both. We learned a lot about, we studied a lot of other photographers' work but mostly, what does this picture mean? Like, why did they do it? What were they trying to convey? Um, and that was the, the bulk of it, really. Um, what part of all of the things that you do do you find the most rewarding for you? I get caught up in money and, like, how you have to, like, do this for a living. So you get caught up in, like, the dollars and it's just you kind of forget, like, what you're even doing is it even helpful for someone. Like, because I'm on my selfish side of, like, well, I just need you to pay me for this thing because I have to do the next thing. And so sometimes I get lost in, like, what, I, what I'm what i doing and how much it helps the client. And so it sometimes it's something as small as, like, I photographed, like, my friend's second birthday and, like, they printed the photo giant over the fireplace. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, like, you liked it. That's cool. And you like liked it enough to print it that big and it's on your wall. Like, little things like that, like, make me realize how much I like what I do, but I don't think about it on that level. So mm-hmm. often I'm, like, caught up in all the crap that goes into running the business that I'm not even sure like if you even liked the photos or not or what you're doing with them so i need to get more into um appreciating that but that's what i think is the most rewarding part is is kind of or like when i shoot for like a company and they like the photo so much they're gonna like use it for i don't know their billboard or something and i'm like well that's yeah. so cool like because in the moment i'm just there trying to get the shot and move right. on to the next thing get home edit it and get it on time and process the invoice and blah 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 blah, blah that i don't even think about it till like later when i see it being used i'm like oh that's why they hired me to use these photos. Right. I'm glad they're using them and they like them. So I forget that sometimes. That's cool. 
Cool. Uh, thank you so much. No problem. Thank I you. I really appreciate you coming all the way down here, hanging no out on sh- super short notice. This was very enjoyable. Um, thank you. I hope I didn't talk too too much. I probably did. No, I no, I wasn't joking. Like we could, I could probably ask you like a hundred more questions. So, so just have me on again. I will absolutely. You come on my podcast. I'm that serious. Be, I don't. I don't think I should. I don't know what we would talk about. Uh, I would have to talk more on your podcast. That might be a bad thing for you. Uh, but well, hit me up it. if you wanted. Appreciate it. Thank One you day, much. season two will be happening. One day. The day is not today. But. Right. That's right. We have discovered some procrastination bone in your body. A little bit. But you do a ton of stuff, son. Because there's I, lots of other I stuff going it. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. Thanks again. I really Thank appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode. And a huge thanks again to Jordan for driving down here and hanging out with me for a couple of hours. This was a ton of fun. And she agreed to do this podcast on something like less than 24 hours notice. So thank you, Jordan. I really, really appreciate it. You should go follow Jordan right now on Instagram if you're not already her handle as we mentioned at Jordan Heffler and you should visit her website jordanheffler.com to see all of the cool stuff products content and blog posts and podcasts that she puts out and look for her on the sidelines tonight at the national championship game and good luck Jordan I know you're gonna get some awesome photos thanks again everybody see you on the next one